available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking, of course, all things Pac-12 football. Week zero, that was just a little blip. Now we got week one. That's a full-on steak meal we get to dive into. Preview in week two, we got some conference games, lots to get to. Man, and you guys keep sending in the questions. We love to hear from you, doing all that. So if you want to email us, you got some kind of question, you got some comment, tell us that we're both idiots, which, yeah, we wouldn't disagree. Pac12podcast at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to call or text us, you can do that. 424-532-0678. Of course, the Twitter handle is at Pac12Podcast. It's been growing and growing. I'm, I'm impressed with that, Dave. We're, we keep getting some people following us on the Twitters. That's nice. And Yeah, then, I keep doing I, I think I do a really fantastic job on the uh, Pac12Podcast Twitter. Have you tweeted? When's the last time you tweeted on it? Like, ever? <clears throat> Look, I'm not here to talk about the past, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> I don't I, I, I assume you do sometimes, but I guess you don't. Uh, so it's mostly me or all me. Uh, our website's at I'm sorry, the website is not at anything. Pac12podcast.com. We have our old episodes. We're also putting up, uh, because we have this full-on suicide pool going right now, um, if you want to call it elimination pool, whatever, we're doing that. We had over 300 people enter on week one, and we want to make sure everyone's doing that. Thanks to Matthew for setting that up. Um, we also got, I think, an offer from uh, from William who, to do that, but we already have some. You know, this is already working from Matthew, so thanks, William, for uh, reaching out to us on that one. But it's really cool what he did. It's uh, like a Google Doc. Uh, like I said, over three hundred people put in their picks week one. You have to make sure you put in your same email address, same name, and then put your next pick in. And if you put like this, you know, if you pick Colorado week one and you pick them in week two, they're just going to cross you off the list. If you didn't pick in week one, you can't pick in week two. You got to start from the beginning. So we got a really good pool of people to start in the beginning. I think only like 10 people got eliminated. There was like some UCLA picks, Dave. I think uh, that was foolish. A couple, like what or two like Oregon picks. And I think a couple Arizona picks. So, uh, those people are all done. Were they going back in time to pick Arizona? <laughs> we didn't even put this thing up until after that game. Was it Arizona? Maybe I got that wrong. Uh, I don't know. There was, we'll have to look. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That couldn't have been Arizona. I forget. Uh, it was, maybe it was just Oregon and UCLA. Um, well, I guess I can pull it up right now and take a look, but yeah, it's really neat. Um, I'll, the response is, oh, okay. So this is, uh, I can't see, I can, I'm seeing this week's responses. So they, it's been updated, but, um, yeah, there, whoever it was, there's a whole bunch. So make sure if you, and the first game is on Friday night, if you put in uh, for week one, go back in the same link. We're putting it on our website for week two so you get carried over. If you skip a week, then you're out. So you're eliminate yourself. Um, so I know who I'm picking, Dave. We'll find out who you're picking a little bit later on. But this is really nice. Thank you to Matthew uh, for doing that. Is it, I think it's pretty cool, Dave, the, the way he set it up. 
I think it's great. It's wonderful. Um, and it's it's really cool because we don't have to do anything. Yes. That's the really, part I mean, I'm that's most the, excited about. It's He's taking care of it. He said he can like uh, pull out the data, do a quick like spreadsheet thing to like eliminate people that, you know, anyone that picked the same team twice or uh, if they, you know, weren't in week one. So he's going to fix all that stuff for us and give us the results. So it'll be fun once we start eliminating a bunch of people. There was only just a handful of people uh, last week that were eliminated. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think the non-conference season is going to hold too many options there, maybe, if people get too clever for their own good. Uh, but once conference play hits, it's going to start getting winnowed down there pretty quick. Yeah. For the a couple of people pick like Oregon, like that's that's your confidence one. Like that's bold. That's bold. That's pretty, people who don't necessarily understand the stakes at play, or they're just hardcore Oregon fans. Yeah, I think some of the UCLA people they so what the one thing you can do is you can smack talk a little bit, um, and then we can kind of see like what you said. Some of the UCLA people had that I saw said if they lose, I don't care about the season anyway. So they're they're ready to check out. So. They they picked UCLA because if if they win they move on and they're happy if they lose they're out anyway they don't care. Yeah, I I, I understand that attitude completely actually as a yeah. uh, you know because it echoes my own. <laughs> <laughs> but your job or what if? But jobs? my job requires me to stay locked in, hundred percent at all in. times, which I do. Yeah, I'm going to be locked in. Um, so we apologize. We're this is a little later. We had a. Uh, some snafus uh, earlier in the week. It was a holiday weekend. You know, I drink on the beach on Monday. You know, Dave's got kids that are running around with sniffles and stuff. So we're doing it on Wednesday. Hopefully you guys, that's okay. But we should have better lines for this. Um, it should be good. So we're going to recap. Like better jokes or like more accurate betting lines? I think betting lines. I don't know if our jokes will get better. No, um. no, they never do. In <laughs> fact, they stay the same. They're the same jokes. Over and over and over again. Well, since we have memories of goldfish, we could we don't realize that we're telling the same. Well, thing, and so. yeah, that's the thing is we'll laugh just as hard when we hear it the uh, ninth time. It's great. <laughs> um, so we'll recap all the week one games. We'll preview the week two games. There's a couple conference matchups, so we'll talk about that, and then we'll get to all your questions. Was there any kind of big newsy stuff? I don't think so. Just besides no. the Pac-12 being. Kind Being of garbage. Ass. Yeah, nothing, nothing else besides that. Besides. The Pac-12 really sucks. Oh, That's oh, about we, it. We do have some news. So Dave crushed me in the picks against the spread. So we uh, we weren't counting the ones with no lines. So there was 10 games between week zero and week one. Dave went a ridiculous eight and two. Um, I went a putrid four and six. And if you guys realize, I kind of said this at the end, but I my strategy going, it wasn't a strategy. It was just like, you know what? I want to be positive. I'm going to pick every Pac-12 team. And it went against my better nature on a lot of these picks, uh, especially USC, because I never pick USC. But I was forced to because I said I'm going to pick all the Pac-12s. Uh, and they Pac-12 won four and six against the number. So that's not, not ideal. Four and six against the number and your marquee game, you had an 18-point lead and, lo- and lost. We're g- t- sorry for the spoiler. But uh, it wasn't I think the Pac-12 kind of took it on the chin, Dave, this past week. Wasn't great. Wasn't great. No. Um, my picks, though, not great. the start we wanted. Your picks and were the two, amazing. The, the two losses I had. Let's just quick little preview. One was the most BS cover at the end of a game I've ever seen, except for the time Stanford did that probably fifteen times over the last four years. <laughs> but 
That fumble recovery in the end zone, I actively groaned. Like, I was sitting there watching that. I'm like, ah, so bad. And then uh, UCLA. I just, I, I, I'm never going to pick another UCLA game yeah. ever in life. I'm just, so just going to skip your upstate. No, I'm going to pick them. I don't even know why I say that. Oh, okay. Man. Oh, man. Man, um, oh, man. Well, I guess we got to jump in. Um, we're going to do our, so this is how we reveal, if you guys don't remember from last year, because I don't, and Dave always <laughs> has to remind me. But what we'll do is we'll count down our power rankings. Uh, Dave will tell you, we, we'll both tell you kind of where we had our, the rankings a little different, but we're using 24-7 sports, packed full of power rankings. So all the publishers uh, pool it, they all vote uh, on these rankings, and uh, then you, they they we get a composite of those and those are the rankings we're going to use. We'll count down from twelve to one. You probably know who twelve is. You might not know who one is. Um, so we'll count down and we'll recap those games and then we'll go preview according to the schedule. So first up, David, we have to talk about our number twelve team, Oregon State Beavers. Yeah. Oregon State was our unanimous number 12, um, but really, uh, th- there were a couple other teams that I think made a case, and Oregon State, I, I, honestly, to me, they didn't look any worse than I expected, and in some ways, they looked maybe a little bit better. Um, so they lost at home to Oklahoma State, 52-36. Um, it kind of went, I don't know, more or less according to what I expected it to be, which is Oregon State's defense just isn't good, it's, yeah. it's and it's a very bad matchup in week one. You're going against Oklahoma State, which basically never has anything less than like a top 15 offense. Um, and Oregon State's defense was among the worst in, in all of college football last year. So you had to kind of expect Oklahoma State to put up some points. Um, Oregon State did start to get a couple of stops in the second half, but, you know, not enough. Um, but Oregon State's offense moved. I mean, and it wasn't like they were even doing it exactly the way they did it last year. Like Jamar Jefferson was relatively contained. I mean, 16 carries for 87 yards. It was really the Isaiah Hodgins show. Yeah, um, he was. He was uh, nine he, for he 170 un- and two touchdowns. Crazy, uncoverable by those Oklahoma State defenders. That was, I don't know. That, I thought that was really encouraging to see. Jake Luton looked fine uh, coming back, um, and you know, Hodgins. Did he get looked, taller. Did, did he Luton looked like taller? he got taller. He looked like he got taller, <laughs> and honestly, he looked a little bit more mobile than when we saw him yeah. uh, last. So I don't know. Maybe he got a little healthier too. Who knows? Um, but I, I think it's 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 basically the same thing that we've been saying about Oregon State. The offense has the potential to be pretty damn good, um, or at least you know a top fifty, top forty unit. Um, it's just the defense. They're 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 going to struggle against especially really good offenses, but. I don't know. That looks like a team that can win a couple of games this year. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I said the same thing. I think mean, the offense was okay. The defense was horrible. It was um, ferocious. Yeah, just awful. Uh, here's the thing. What I thought, like, I was only picking the Pac-12, like I said. Uh, Dave got this one right. I got this one wrong because, you know, I picked the Pac-12. Um, the line was 15. I really felt that Oklahoma State might ha- really have some issues going to uh, Corvallis, playing a research stadium. But when you can run the ball like Oklahoma State did, 352 yards on the ground, that's like it doesn't matter where you are, home, away, whatever. Like if you're relying on the passing game and all this kind of – if you're just running the football and you can do that, it doesn't matter that you're on the road. You just hand the ball off. I think that helped a lot that the run game was uh, was that good. The uh, Cowboys averaged 7.3 yards per play, and they converted on 10 of 13 
uh, third downs, no turnovers. So it just was sort of like they did what they wanted to do and, and Oregon State couldn't stop them. But early on, it looked like, oh, they, you know, Oregon State can cover this game. Both teams were scoring. But in the second quarter, I think it was three straight three and outs for the Beavers. And pretty much at that point, that was the end because they weren't getting any stops. So you can't go three and out three times in a row. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I remember do, picking them with the Ohio State game, and I thought they should have covered that, and they just kept giving up points late in the game. This was not that case. This was They just kept giving up points the entire game. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel bad. Angie, I love you. You're my favorite. But I, I don't think I'm ever going to pick the Beavers in a big spread again. Like that, th- Those points in the Beavers, I don't care. I, I've been burned so many times. Not that this was my own pick. I probably would not have picked this one, but I was hoping, and it did not come true. I thought it was – I mean, it ended up being a properly set line, but, man, I I would – if if you knew going in how good that Oklahoma State quarterback was going to look in his basically first game, that Spencer Sanders guy, I mean, this wouldn't have been a 15-point game. It would have been triple – it would have been three touchdowns, um, not triple digits. That's that's a little too much, but it would have been, <laughs> you know, three touchdowns. Uh so, you know, I, I think it was the, the line ended up right for, you know, interesting reasons. But I, honestly, I thought Oregon State showed some promise, especially offensively. And, and we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they do comparatively this week traveling to Hawaii um, and compare it to what Arizona did. Because there, there's a chance that those two teams aren't that different. Um, and I'm interested to see what they look like in that in that environment. Yeah. So, yeah. So just so, you know. It was a 15-point spread, and Oklahoma State won by 16. So, um, yeah. one of those not great beats there. But, you know, whatever. We'll see uh, what happens going forward. Uh, should we go to the next one, Dave? Let's do it. All right. Our number 11 team is... Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> nope. So, this was no. not... <laughs> This was this was not my number eleven. No, this is not the, this is not any number eleven. I just pushed the wrong button. There's two Arizona buttons. I pushed the wrong one. It's actually Arizona Wildcats. Just I freak out the uh, Herm Edwards fans there. We, we man, they would have lost their minds. <laughs> this was also not my number eleven. My number eleven uh, is coming up here at number ten. Arizona was on a bye. Yay! Yay! They didn't have to play football. They play football again this week. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Soon. So. Uh, so you, yeah. So they were dropped to number eleven. You felt they were number ten. I think I kept them uh, at number eleven. So um, we'll see uh, what they do going forward. We'll we'll preview their game, uh, and they might. Some people might be picking them. I'll just give you a hint. Some people might be picking them. Oh, in, I, I am in the uh, in the survival pool in the suicide pool. Okay, uh, number ten team we have UCLA Bruins. Yeah, the Bruins were my number. Uh, my number 11 team. Um, I thought they looked worse in their opener than Arizona did against Hawaii, um, even considering relative opponents. Um, UCLA traveled to Cincinnati on Thursday and lost 24-14. It really, and I know I say this sometimes about games and people think I exaggerate, it really wasn't that close. Um, Cincinnati outgained UCLA by about 200 yards. Um, there were some strange turnovers for UCLA, but there were also some strange turnovers for Cincinnati. Uh, you can't play the game where it's, well, what if UCLA hadn't turned over the ball four times? Well, Cincinnati had a bunch of strange stuff happen too. Um, they, they easily could have won this game by three touchdowns if 
you know, they don't throw a pick in the, at the goal line and, and don't, you know, do have their own weird fumble outside of the 20. Um, I, I thought it was a horrible game for Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, he played really, really poorly. The offense generally didn't look like much of what we came to see at the end of last year. Um, there are a few reasons for that. First, injuries. Joshua Kelly, Theo Howard, um, Michael Alves um, all were out this game. So that's three of your main offensive players, um, Alves being an offensive guard. Um, so they were playing a true freshman at left tackle. Uh, they had a converted wide receiver in Demetric Felton playing running back. Um, and then Jalen Irwin, a JC transfer as their number one receiver. Um, so they're, you know, if you want to point to some mitigating circumstances, there they are. But I don't know, even with those guys in there, I'm not sure about this game. The, this, the whole offense looked just like nothing we saw at the end of last season. Um, instead of, you know, running a pretty simplified, you know, two or three personnel groups, they were, they ran out seven different personnel groups throughout the game. It looked like it was just Chip Kelly experiment hour where he's going to try a wide variety of things that they've only semi-practiced. Guys looked like they were running into each other and all these really exotic motions and stuff. Um, you know, it just seemed like he was in tinker phase and not, um, you know, not necessarily in that in that super efficient offense stage that he was in last year. Um, so, I don't know. It was, it was really, really bad offensively. Um, defensively, there were some nice things to point to. Uh, the run defense was generally pretty good throughout the game. The defensive line played, played pretty well. Third down defense was awful. Um, you know, it was, uh, they would have third and medium, third and long, and just complete an easy pass for 15 yards with virtually no defender in sight. Um, and that happened way too often. So, it was, I mean, it was a pretty comprehensive beating. Um, only winning by 10 is kind of surprising for Cincinnati because much more so than the UCLA-Cincy game last year, Cincinnati really dominated this one. Yeah, it was weird for me. I mean, I think, were these like the worst announcers ever? Like, it was pretty bad. Well, I was, I was there. I was in beautiful oh. Cincinnati, so I didn't watch the game live. And when I was watching it on the replay, I was fast-forwarding through a lot of the dumb stuff. Um, so... <laughs> I know the guy with the shirt was really bad. He was um, bad. Um, that's a, that's I, what Hasselback's never been good. That's what we bring you here on the podcast of champions. Two of these games were attended live by your hosts. Like Dave that's drove what we six, do for you. He drove six hours to cover this game. Like he did that on purpose. Like that was not an accident. That wasn't, wasn't an accident. I wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to find myself in Cincinnati. No, he wasn't at a Thursday random night. wedding in Cincinnati and said, oh, well, UCLA's playing here. I'll, I'll stop by the game. No, he he planned this. This is, he did this on purpose. Um, and I, if that isn't a sign of psychosis, what is? This felt like a preseason NFL game to me a little bit. Like Chip Kelly was not all that interested in winning it, I think. He's like, oh, we're not going to play these guys. And we'll just, you know, we'll wait till, you know, the first week of, I don't know. I don't know what they were waiting for. But no, just, no, I, I, and I agree. Do you know I, what I mean? That's exactly what it looked like. That's what it felt like. And, but I like the way the offense looked early where they had the different like they'd move all the motion on the, the line and literally the first drive yeah unbalanced yeah. and everything but you know dtr goes and scrambles uh it was a really good looking drive and he gets in the red zone and he fumbles and that led to a long cincinnati so fumble fumble doesn't really capture what happened <laughs> okay <laughs> twice in this game he literally just dropped the ball like it was in his hand no one was around no one hit him He's just running, and he just drops the football. 
yeah. twice in this football game. Yeah, that was bad. But the that that led to a Cincinnati touchdown. Um, it was 10-7 and a half, but if you look at the first half, pretty much every UCLA drive was uh, what we like to call ferocious, except for the mm-hmm. first one, which was, you know, it was a good looking drive that he dropped. And then the touchdown drive was basically one long play. Like it was, there was no, it didn't look like this, uh, you know, this offense that was moving the ball at will, you know, it just didn't look like that. It was just all terrible. And then, you know, just more of the same kind of stuff in the second half. They start off with a bad drive uh, with a long interception. Um, it just, it was one of those things you thought you still could come out and like do something good. And the interception sort of uh, spoiled that. But um, was it 24-14? Uh, I think UCLA had a long, like, time-consuming drive at the end where they're down by 10. It's like one of those drives that's taken forever. But they're like, oh, at least they're moving the ball. And then DTR puts it on the turf again. So I got a lot of people tweeting me small hands and stuff. And I thought it was funny because you always said that about Sam Darnold, right? He had small no, hands. No, 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 no. I said his – well, yes, I also said that. But I also <laughs> said his, his hands were covered in baby oil. Oh, okay. <laughs> So I don't know what you think DTR's hands were, but they didn't look. I'm going to give it a little bit longer before I start um, up on the uh, small hands conspiracy brigade, but <laughs> there might be something there. There might be something there. I, I, I want to talk about that touchdown in the first half because this is also what I'm talking about. Like people say, oh, they scored 14 points and, you know, they got a 70 yard, five yard play. The lead up to that touchdown was. First and 10, UCLA 25, Dorian Thompson Robinson pass incomplete to Jordan Wilson. Second and 10, Demetric Felton run for no gain. It was a third and 10 they converted for a 75-yard touchdown on a blown coverage. Like, it wasn't like they weren't driving at any point in this game, The off, except for, like, literally the first drive. It was bad. Yeah. And then finally in the fourth quarter, they started to do um, a little bit of different stuff in the run game. And got it going, and that's what that long drive really was. It was all about this one specific thing they started doing in the fourth quarter with their tackle. Um, but it just, where was that at the beginning of the game? Yeah. And it just, it makes you think, okay, well, he, I always hear that old saw, oh, they were saving things for later. They weren't trying to show the whole playbook. And I always, I, I, I universally, I've thought it was complete BS all the time. This makes me think it's not because it was like, like you said, it was like watching a preseason game. And it's not. That's not what college football is. Yeah. Non-conference games matter. Do they matter as much as a conference game? No, but they matter a lot. Yeah, a road and game you, against you, like a double-digit win team, it matters. You know, like come well, on. and like from a from a psyche of the fan base, psyche of me, like there's a <laughs> lot of considerations here, Chip. And frankly, looking this bad didn't do anything good for anybody. Even that second half touchdown drive, I think UCLA got saved by like a face mask penalty or something too, right? It would have been. Like the drive would yeah, have been there dead. Yeah, there, there was a lot of that. And then there was a fumble yeah. recovery UCLA had late in the game, and then it was like they called them – was they call them down? Yeah, that was that was probably a bad call on the field. And yeah. It was packed over refs, so that makes sense. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, he should have probably not been whistled. And then if he hadn't been whistled and they just called it a touchdown, it would have stood on the field. It was hard to tell. Like you couldn't tell on the replay. Yeah. Uh, we both got this one uh, wrong. We both, you know, obviously I picked UCLA because it's a Pac-12 team. Dave did because he's a homer, and we were both wrong, getting three points and lost by ten. But that that touchdown late could have tied it, you know. So uh, yeah, th- that was called my grandma. My grandma. So yeah, bad, anyway. bad call. Uh, we 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 lost the point on the bad call. Okay, uh, that was number ten. We're gonna go to our uh, number nine team. 
Colorado Buffaloes. All right, so I had Colorado a little bit higher after this. I think I had them all the way up at number eight instead of number nine. Um, Colorado really impressed me in week one. Um, I was expecting them to look um, a little bit still a work in progress much more on both sides of the ball. And really kind of surprising. Um, so they beat Colorado State 52-31. Um, and I, I liked a lot of what they were doing offensively. Um, Alex Fontenot, the, uh, the new starter at running back, I thought he looked fast and shifty at running back. Um, LaVisca Chenault, you know, came back after last year and looked much the same dude, uh, just out there dominating and still working out of the backfield on occasion when they needed a conversion. Um, I, I, I thought offensively they looked really good and it wasn't like it was all Steven Montez having a huge game. It was, you know, I thought a balanced and good, um, offensive attack, um, against Colorado state, uh, defensively. I mean, <laughs> I think they're they've got some issues. Uh, that secondary, that secondary had some issues. Uh, secondary had some real problems. Um, but even still, they made some plays. Um, I thought uh, I thought Onu had a you know the safety had a couple of picks. Um, Aaron Maddox forced a fumble in the second half to set up a Colorado touchdown to go up ten. Um, but they they had some real issues, especially in that first half. Um, but offensively, I thought that was the story for them. I mean, I thought their OL kind of surprisingly looks like a real strength. Um, you know, no sacks in this game, opened up a lot of room on the ground. So I don't know. I, there's something to build around with that offense um, with, you know, Montez and then a running game that looks pretty good. I mean, that, that freshman Mangum also, you know, he, he didn't look bad for his first real game. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I think what, so Fontenot had 125 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, on 19 carries, Steven Montez, he was 13 to 20, 232 yards, couple touchdowns. Uh, Nate Landman, you know that name. He had 11 tackles. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was close in the first half. I think it was 24-21 Colorado, but then they pulled away, you know, like, you know, the second half. I think Mustafa Johnson had that fumble return for a TD that was a big one. Um, Colorado won the turnover battle 4 to nothing, so he needed that. But it, when you see some of those numbers and you're like, yeah, maybe it shouldn't have been as close as it was early. Um, it was a 13 point spread. And, uh, you know, we both took Colorado. So we won that one. That was nice. Um, Mel Tucker. So he becomes uh, one of three head coaches now to win their first game uh, at the range of the Buffaloes. So this is dating back to 1932. Do you wow. know who the, the other two coaches are? No. One of them's your favorite person. Well, first, Matt- Rick Neuheisel. Yes. And uh, Mike McIntyre, now the defensive coordinator for Ole Miss. Um, they did not look, when I watched that game, they did not look good either. They have Rich Rod as the offensive coordinator and Mike McIntyre as a defensive coordinator. It just, it looked kind of a mess when I saw them. Uh, but yeah, so congrats to Mel Tucker. You win your opener. I thought that was a, a good win. Like when you don't have a lot of great wins, for the Pac-12, is Colorado State some world beater? No, but you, we've seen the Pac-12 losing to Mountain West schools and other schools, you know, group of five schools. This is good. It's a rivalry game. It's your first one as head coach. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from the Buffs uh, winning this one, putting up a lot of points. If you can ride your, you know, offensive trio now, it looks like, 
Um, I, I think you can win some games just on that alone. And he's a defensive guy. You figure things are going to get figured out at some point. There's some dudes on the defensive side, but there's just like, it's like there's stars, you know? There's like, oh, you know that guy, you know that guy, you know that guy. but there's not like a whole lot around them, I guess you could say. Um, so I'm this will be a fun team to watch, I think, because you will have some star power, just maybe not the, you know, uh, a 22, all 22 are going to be people that you're going to know. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but I'm, I'm much more interested now watching the Buffalo season than I was in the preseason. Are you still thinking, Ryan, that this is a two-win team? Uh, what, I picked them two-win team? No, I mean, I, they looked better than I thought, yeah. So I ranked them higher, I think, than this. Uh, no, I might have kept them b- behind Cal. But, they, you know, I feel like they're, they've got potential to win a bunch of games, you know. Um, you know, four or five games or something, not more than two. But we'll see. Cool. Uh, let's go. Our number uh, eight team is California Golden Bears. All right. Yeah. So Cal was my uh, number nine, nine team. Teams. You had those switching. Yeah. Yeah. So they were shaky uh, to start the game against UC Davis. Um, they started out down 10 nothing, more or less, at the end of the first quarter. Um, it was a really, really ugly start. Um, they kind of did everything possible to put themselves in a huge hole early. They fumbled the opening kickoff, which set up <laughs> UC Davis TD, which that's not great. You don't want to do that. Um, and then they just didn't look quite right for most of the first half. Um, you know, UC Davis was actually moving the ball pretty well for a while there. I mean, pretty well for a FCS team, more or less. Um, but they were really, you know, they moved it. Um, and I thought um, it just, it, it wasn't it wasn't the cow that we were expecting early. They, they kind of tightened down as the game went on and the defense got a lot better. Um, but early it was not looking great. They offensed quite a bit in this one, which might have been the issue. Yeah, um, way too much offense. They offensed to the tune of over 200 yards rushing and over 200 yards passing. And I'd really like them to keep to one of those at least under 200 <laughs> and at, and really under 100 if they can. Um, it was much too much offense. Um, Chase Garbers started things off with a pick early, but he settled down. It was starting to look a little bit like, uh, you know, our, our our 2018 version of Cal, oh, yeah. uh, but he looked like early looked pick. You're thinking, uh oh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, early on, he did not look super sharp, but then he got better as the game went on. Uh, Christopher Brown uh, uh, ran for almost 200 yards by himself, so that was pretty good. Um, but it was, you know, a little bit of a shaky performance to start the season, which is, you know, uh, as long as you don't lose that game, it's no big deal. Um, they ended up winning 27-13, so. Big two-touchdown win over UC Davis, mighty UC Davis. It's nothing to sneer at, um, but I'm expecting more to that defense going forward. Hopefully they ironed out whatever they need to iron out in this game and and really get it going going forward. Yeah, we, we didn't have a line on this one, so no picks. Uh, I didn't watch much of this. I think it was starting uh, – it was going – it might have been going when the, I was in the press box for the USC game, but Christopher Brown and uh, Kikoa Crawford, like they look like – you know, you got to – replace Patrick Laird that they look like they're two really capable running backs. Like you said, uh, over 200 yards rushing for Cal. So maybe there's going to be a little more offense than, uh, you know, I, I kind of still have something for chase garbage. I think he can have a, a decent year. So you might be disappointed Dave. you might see more offense than, than you you want to. 
I'm not going to be disappointed. Cal fans are going to be disappointed when their team goes like one and eleven because they tried to offense too much. Well, well, when we get to the previews, you know, your test, uh, your theory is going to be put to the test uh, this week uh, for the sturdy Golden Bear. So it's UC Davis. Uh, there was no line, but you Who know, cares? Cal gets a win. So yeah, you won. That's all that matters against an FCS opponent. Yes, I'm looking at you, Washington State. Nice. Uh, all right, let's go to our number seven team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> all right, Arizona State played on Thursday night as well. Uh, they beat up on Kent State. Um, it was 30-7. to seven. Could have been 30 to nothing. Touchdown in the fourth quarter for Kent State. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. yes. For the the, the line was 24 and a half, so this was another cover that just missed because... It was a cover and then a backdoor for Kent State, yes. Yeah, yeah, and Ryan, uh, which side of that did you take? I, I, of course, the Pac-12 team that, that oh, blew yeah, the, yeah. again, blew the, the cover late in the game. So that was a theme. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I want to I make one note up top, um, and I want to make sure I get his name correct. Uh, Michael Turk, Arizona State's punter. That dude is a Dude, he's a dude. <laughs> he was kicking the hell out of the ball. He was kicking it so hard. He averaged sixty-three yards on five punts. Not total. That was an average. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about anything else in this game. I just want to talk about that guy <laughs> booming the ball. Yeah, it was great to come back to my room after that awful UCLA game and start watching this thing and seeing that guy kick the ball so hard. It was great. Yeah. It was really therapeutic. Um, all right. Uh, so Arizona State, this was the debut, obviously, for Jaden Daniels. Um, honestly, I thought he looked great. He looked phenomenal uh, and looked like a vet out there because he was getting no help from his offensive line the entire game. But he was scrambling around, and he kept his eyes downfield, and he was making plays. Um, that was as good as you could have hoped for, I think, from a true freshman making his first game with that little help from his offensive line. Like, the blocking in this game was atrocious. And there was, you know, obviously some unfortunate reasons for that. Uh, Cade Cote, who was a fill-in at center, uh, he was the second-string guy, if you remember. Um, he got hurt the week before the game broke his foot. And he'll be out four to six weeks. So they ended up playing true freshman Donovan West at center. Um, and obviously that caused some ramifications all throughout the offensive line. So it wasn't as if it was just that's you know, what you should expect from the offensive line going forward. There were some weird circumstances there. Uh, but that affected Daniels. It affected the run game, I think. I mean, I would have expected more from Eno Benjamin um, in game one than against the Kent State uh, than 22 carries and 102 yards. Uh, but still, he was effective. Daniels was effective. The offense seemed to go just fine, um, but it wasn't quite at its tip-top level because the, uh, the the pass protection wasn't great. Um but overall, I thought the defense played really well. It's tough to know exactly when you're looking at an FCS opponent how good the defense actually is. But I thought they did a pretty nice job. Um, you know, they Kent State passed for basically nothing and ran for basically nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, in both phases, it was pretty good. So I don't know how much more you can ask. And it's tough to really do too much gauging off a game like this. But early returns, I'd say the defense looks better. Yeah, and I think uh, part of the reason, uh, you know, Daniels was sacked five times. Uh, Arizona State center broke his foot uh, during the week on Tuesday, I believe it was. So they had a true freshman center starting. So you had a true freshman center and quarterback. And I thought, like, I agree with you. I think Daniels played well. Um, you know, he took some sacks, but they're, you know, he was 
he was under duress uh, from from quite a bit. He slid well. I think when he would take off and run, it wasn't about. Sometimes you see a freshman athletic quarterback, and he's just going to like try to get every yard. He was just like, did my reads? Uh, wasn't someone wasn't open, or I got flushed out of the pocket? I'm going to take off five yard slide, move on. And I, I that's what I'm saying. He looked like a vet out yeah. there. Like he's like, I'm not taking any hits. No, I'm I'm sliding. It felt like it's great. A veteran uh, kind of move. So. So it's Cade uh, Cody, I guess his name is, that went down. Um, so it's a pretty shallow offensive line for Arizona State. That's going to be something, I think, uh, to watch. Um, and so he, I mean, you don't want to see him running around like that against Kent State. But, you know, you had Eno Benjamin back. You had, uh, you know, some good plays there. I felt like Arizona State was going to, you know, kind of blow him out in the first half. Uh, it was 10 nothing, I think, in the first quarter. And then for the first time for an Arizona running back in 916 touches, they fumbled. So, you know, Benjamin fumbled. They, the Arizona state running backs do not fumble and he fumbled. And so it ended up being 10, nothing at the half. Um, there were some penalties and mistakes that kept them from kind of making it a, a bigger uh, lead. And I, I was getting a little worried at that point, but then, you know, then they scored early. Um, there was a sack fumble and the Arizona state got the ball in the red zone that they turned into a field goal. But, it was one of those things where they gave up a long TD drive towards the end, and it's 37. They don't cover the spread. But there was a lot of opportunities there for them to put more points on the board, and a late TD wouldn't have mattered. But there was just these like mistakes here and there. Um, so it could be a little concerned that you had these kind of mistakes against Kent State, but it's also the first game. You got true freshman quarterback, true freshman center. Um, so we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. But there's I think if you're an Arizona State fan – is it going to be different than when Manny Wilkins is running? You know, you got this veteran quarterback run. Yeah, but you've seen some good flashes from Jaden Daniels, and there's a reason why he was named the starting quarterback. So I think if you're an Arizona State fan, you just feel pretty good about it. And, you know, you got a couple of warm-up games before you get the, you know, the, the real meat of your schedule, and uh, we'll see what happens from that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we So this one, yeah, we already talked about uh, Kent State. Um did cover uh, the 24 and a half points, but it, if you, you watch the game, you're like, okay, ASU dominated that one. Uh, all right. Number six, uh, we have USC Trojans. Oh, and just as a note, I had USC seven and ASU six. Um, oh, okay. All right. So USC won a football game. They did. How good is that? Look, let's just walk home. That's good. Right. Winning a football game makes everyone happy. Everyone in USC Trojan Land has to be just. They just beat an eleven. What was it? A twelve win team from 12 last year. Twelve win team. Yeah. USC fans have to be ecstatic, right, Ryan? Sure. <laughs> yeah, they they're, they pretty much said it's the most unsatisfying win that they can remember. <laughs> they're over the moon. <laughs> um, okay, so this one. So obvious. Let's let's talk first. J, uh, JT Daniels um, got hurt in this one. Um, hurt his knee pretty bad. ACL and meniscus. He's out for the year. Um, okay. So watching this game, opening quarter, I was about ready to give up on football entirely. Um, <laughs> they <looked> because <laughs> they looked so good moving up and down the field. I was like, oh man, this offense is gonna go. And then. It just went all USC pear-shaped. Um, the offense started to really, really sputter. Um, Fresno State started to put some things together of its own offensively with just 
Like some dude at quarterback, just Jorge Reina, whoever that is. It doesn't even matter. He just starts kind of marching up and down the field, heading into the fourth quarter. Um, and it, you really had the sense that USC was just kind of hanging on for dear life by the end of this thing. Um, what, what, what happened, Ryan? What happened in this game? The offense did not continue to march. What is your sense of things? Yeah, it was weird. So I think last couple years, the offense, the gumbo, it did, it just looked like poo, you know? Now this, you saw the first two drives. I thought they looked good. I think Fresno State has, I mean, they have a really good defense. They haven't given up more than 30 points, uh, in two years. So they, you know, they gave up 31 in this one. It's, it's a good defense. They, re, they didn't return a lot on offense, but they did return guys on defense. So I, I think it's a legit defense. Um, but they, it was really weird. They didn't rotate receivers. They just used like their three main guys. They had six players catch a pass, uh, six skill guys catch a pass on the first drive. Nobody else for the rest of the game caught a pass. if you were one of those six, it was very bizarre. And I feel like there were a couple execution errors, um, you know, turnovers, things like that, like a, a drop pass on third down where they had moved the ball in the second quarter, but just like a little mistake that would shoot you in the foot. Not like catastrophic mistakes like the last year where there was like 10 things that would go wrong. There was like one, th- you could say, sometimes coaches say execution, it's not, it's like 15 things. This really was like one play wasn't executed and it kind of killed the drive, um, but it still resembled USC from the past where they would go out to a 14, nothing lead on like a Notre Dame or Texas or whatever, and then end up just kind of crap in the bed and losing. So I felt like they were close, but then JT Daniels gets hurt. And now I think all bets are off in the second half. Uh, Keaton Slovis throws eight passes. He threw one nice deep ball to Tyler Vaughn's that he made a good catch on, but he threw like a complete arm punt. Um, as well. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was Jake Browning esque. Very arm punty. Um, but they, but the, uh, they ran the ball well, uh, but they only used two running backs. They have, you know, they have other guys that they could use. Uh, Vivai Malapai had, you know, over 100 yards. Stephen Carr, you got to see a little bit of that, you know, his former five star status. He ran for a touchdown and caught one, but it was so different than what we saw, what, what they explained it. They didn't rotate running, I mean, they didn't rotate wide receivers at all. Um, I mean, it was like the same guys over and over again. They used the blocking tight end most of the time instead of the the pass catching tight end. And I thought he blocked pretty well when they ran the football. But it, I think it changed once JT Daniels went out. Now I don't think they can change going forward. I think they have to just run their offense. Like it, the offense is supposed to just be very friendly towards quarterbacks. So who cares if the guys are true freshmen? You got to play them. But I think it it definitely changed when he got hurt. Um, I would have been curious to see if he could have played the entire second half if they would have run the football more, even with JT Daniels, because he threw the ball. They ran 50 plays in the first half, and, you know, 90% of them were passes. Um, So, but then it became, it just, it wasn't 90%, but it was mostly passing in the first half, and then it was mostly running uh, in the second half. But defensively, they gave up. This is a Fresno State team that brought two or three starters back. They lost, like, their best wide receiver early in the game. Uh, Jorge. And they were starting. They were starting literally some guy at quarterback. Yeah, this guy Jorge Reina, and like he actually had a chance to win the job two years ago when Marcus uh, was uh, McMarion uh, came back down from Oregon State and yeah. won the job and did a really good job in the two years he was there. I mean, he won uh, twenty two games. But they, what I, the guy from Fresno State told me that that Reina almost won it, but he ended up getting hurt. I don't think USC expected him to run the ball as well as he did. And they used a lot of four-man front, which they haven't done in the past. They kind of changed that up. 
they stopped the run game up the middle, but man, anything that got wide, they would they were over pursuing, they weren't containing, and Reyna was just going crazy on him on the outside. Any misdirection stuff. Um, so it's it was definitely concerning because Fresno State defense is fine. I mean, they're it's a good defense, but the offense you knew was just complete rebuild. You know, Jeff Tedford's a really good coach, and he kind of figured out what USC was trying to take away and then exploited the areas that were were open. So uh he also threw the I mean, it just looked like it wasn't like a Jake Bryant. It was like, it, it just seemed like he was going to be able to complete a lot of forward passes, and he ended up completing a lot of forward passes. You're like, wow, that's that's probably concerning. So uh, we'll see what happens with this team going forward. But they, they should have won this. They should have covered the spread. Uh, they did not. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see where they go from here. But it, it was it was definitely concerning for USC fans. Um, I, so I think, and I, I tweeted out to this effect, but I think obviously now with the ACL tear for JT Daniels, you, you can't fire Clay Helton this year. No. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just can't because it'd be unfair. <laughs> you know, he needs time with his chosen quarterback. I was listening to the Rayner Troy podcast. I think they even mentioned your tweet or there's a, there's UCLA fans <laughs> definitely tweeting that. It was funny. I mean, people ask like for real, they'll ask. And it's like, well, Here's the thing, like, there's no excuses. Like, you bring in a new offense, you should have been fired last year. The The fact that you're starting a true freshman is on you. Like, you had two guys with experience ahead of him, and we saw practice. It looked like they were ahead of him, and you picked the true freshman. So, to be, you know, joking aside, it's on, it doesn't matter. Like, they, you know... My- I don't know. I think I make a compelling case in this tweet, um, and it's so compelling that I got I got USC fans responding to this like I am so sincere, and it is. They didn't realize it might be the most it might be the most successful troll I've ever had in my life. <laughs> like people not even looking at the name at all, just responding to it on the merits, and I'm like, oh, this is so good. This is so That's good. It funny. really. I was really able to embrace my like anonymous troll on the internet sensibilities with this one it was really good nice um yeah so that that happened um usc loses their starting quarterback and now the you know the baton death death march for clay helton is going to go forward we'll see we'll see i mean it if the offense looks like it did those first couple of drives i mean they can they can win games you know but i'm still sticking with my seven and five prediction i think it's going to Two and four for the first six games, and then they're going to be in some trouble. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our number five team uh, was Stanford Cardinal. I don't even want to talk about this game. Woo! This, Go Stanford! The, Woo! This was so. I, I watched like every damn minute of this thing, and it was such a brutal watch. Um, Stanford ended up winning 17-7, kind of deceptive. It was really 10-7. Um, they they scored their final seven on a fumble recovery for a touchdown with like three seconds to go in the game um, when Northwestern was basically just setting up for Hail Mary. Um, uh, KJ Costello got hurt in this one. Looked like probably a concussion. Um, it was targeting. Should have been targeting. Yeah, wasn't that called was targeting weird. right before the half. It really should have been. I mean, it was a uh, forearm big, shiver to the head, knocking the dude's helmet off. I was like, what? Yeah, Big Ten refs. Um, Northwestern also got its quarterback knocked out of the game. So it was it was well, a party out there. Well, they, they, they benched. So they had Hunter Johnson, who was the former five-star transfer from Clemson. He was in the game and was poo. And then they bring in TJ Green, who's uh, – is that Green's son, the 
Yeah. Trent Green. Trent Green. The Trent Green side. Yeah. And he actually and he looks pretty hurt. good. Then I was getting worried. I'm like, because Stanford was in control. I'm like, oh, this is great. Then he gets hurt. So that they had to bring Hunter Johnson back in, and he was still poo. Yeah, Hunter Johnson, um, he can't play. Um, and <laughs> How is he a they finally <laughs> They finally started doing some things where he was like running the ball a little bit, which seemed to get him a little bit more comfortable. But, man, he looked bad. Just, ugh. Um, but Stanford, uh, it wasn't like they looked unbad, uh, especially offensively. Um, they ran the ball okay. Cameron Scarlett showed a little bit more wiggle than I've come to expect from him. But still, it was 22 carries for 97 yards. Um, Northwestern does tend to ugly games up a little bit. So that could have been part of it. Um, Costello was pretty sharp when he was in. Uh, 16 of 20 for 152. Uh, Davis Mills, slightly less so. Um, but it was kind of a first real look at him in a while. Um He's got that crazy over the top like Josh Rosen throwing motion. It just it was kind of a a, 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 haul, a callback for me. Um, but I thought offensively both teams looked like absolute butt. Uh, but maybe Stanford <laughs> actually has a really good defense again. It's hard to yeah. know because Northwestern's offense looked so bad. Uh, but that Stanford defensive line, I don't know. That could be really good again. And then you factor in they've got uh, maybe the best corner in the entire country in Paul Sinadibo. Yeah. Um, They've they've got some pieces defensively that you could talk yourself into it. Um, special teams were bad uh, for Stanford. They missed a field goal. Um, generally bad punting. Um, should also note Walker Little went down with an injury. He's, he's their big left tackle. He's out for about half the year. So that's going to cause some shuffling up there. And the offensive line wasn't really great. No, they had three uh, holding penalties him. in the first quarter alone. So that's yeah. that's bad. No, you know Northwestern has a good defensive front, but you don't expect Stanford to have three holding penalties at home, you know, like that's in the first quarter, you know, that's, that's just crazy. Yeah. So that was all not great, but they won the game and Northwestern's always going to make it ugly. So I don't think you can nitpick it too hard. Um, I'm just disappointed. They didn't win by three instead of 10 because then it would have been nine and one and really rubbing Ryan's nose. Yeah. Up. No, this was a good, uh, I mean, it was a front door cover because Stanford should, Stanford was in control that play, so uh, when KJ Costello gets hurt, they don't even throw a flag on there. And so Stanford is like at the end of the half, they line up for, I think it was a 51-yard field goal, and Jet Toner nails it. And you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Northwestern had a little spark when TJ Green came in. He goes out, and then it was just kind of like that offense wasn't going to do much, um, you know, at, at that point. Uh, Northwestern did get a fourth quarter touchdown. Um, so it was like not looking good for the Stanford cover, but that late sack fumble for TD, TD, uh, sealed it. Scarlett almost had hundred yards. He was 22 at 97, but just, I don't think he looked great. Uh, you know, David Mills was okay. He, we don't know at this point if Costello's out, we're supposed to find out Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, I don't think. I, don't, I haven't seen a tweet while we're recording if they've if David Shaw made some kind of announcement yet. I thought Solid Verbal had a really interesting tweet sometime in the second quarter. They said the game had the energy of a routine ground out to second, and uh, that's when I think it was zero zero, and it really it really did. But you mentioned the defense; uh, they scored a touchdown at the end. Uh, they did force three turnovers. Uh, they kept Northwestern in its own territory for eight of the twelve drives. So I think overall it was a really good defensive performance and that's going to be something to watch i mean if it's 
David Shaw's going to love that if he can have a defense and there's going to be a lot of like 13-10 games. He's going to be like in heaven. So um, I think there was one. I think there was one. Oh, yeah. So Stanford had a 15-play, 90-yard, 8-minute, 22-second TD touchdown drive late in the second quarter. And I think uh, RJ Abadia like tweeted something like that's those are the kind of dreams that like David Shaw. I mean, those are kind of drives that David Shaw just dreams about. Um, so yeah, it looked like when they couldn't do much, they just had this methodical grind it out drive that took, you know, half the quarter and they scored a touchdown, 90 yard drive. They would get good field position, couldn't do anything with it, but the 90 yard drive, they, they pulled together. Yeah, no, they look like army. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. So Stanford, uh, I, I won that one and, uh, David did not. So that was rare. Yeah. On some big bullshit. Let's just say it. Let's just call it what it is, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. The, the non-targeting call taking out KJ Costello. That was bullshit. Um, okay. So we have, we're back to our, we're in our top four. Uh, number four, we have Washington state Cougars. And I had the, and number I had three. Wash- Yeah. So did I. You did too. So we yeah. both had, we both had Wazoo number three. Um, I was impressed as hell with Wazoo in this game, um, mostly because Anthony Gordon, who I'm sure I've heard about prior to this year, but I couldn't tell you when, how, or if that's actually true. Uh, but, you know, you plug some dude in a quarterback in a Washington State Mike Leach offense, and the thing just goes. <laughs> uh, at one point in this game, he was putting up like Bill Walton against Memphis numbers. He was 24 of 26, I think, at one point. Yeah. Finished 29-35, so it's not like that's any less impressive. It was like 22 uh, of 23 or something at one point, too. I mean, it was like ridiculous. No, he was full Bill Waltoning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he looked great, um, super accurate, and these receivers looked awesome. Desmond Patman had a great run after the catch touchdown, uh, but the receivers all looked great. The offense generally looked just phenomenal. I thought New Mexico State moved the ball early pretty well. So if you've got one, you know, nit to pick with Washington State defensively, maybe a little bit leaky. But frankly, that offense looked phenomenal. And yeah, yeah, I get it. It's New Mexico State. You can't take too much from it. But 58 points is 58 points. And execution's a really strong point with Washington State's offense. And it was firing on all cylinders. If it looks like that in game one, I feel pretty good about them replicating something near that you know, relatively often, and it won't be to the tune of 58 points every time out. But, yeah, I, I Washington State could be really good again this year. Yeah. That's that's my take. You know, it, it, last year, you, you you bring in a transfer, you, um, you, you get the new guy starting, and I think that got away from what Mike Leach likes to do. He seems to like to have guys that have been in the system for a while. And you get Anthony Gordon that's, um, you know, he's a fifth-year senior, I believe. Uh he goes in there, he completes 83% of his passes, 420 yards and five touchdowns. And for Leach to say this about him after the game, he said, as far as a first-time starter, I thought he was as precise as anybody I've ever had. So I thought that part was good. Um, I mean, for Mike Leach to say that, like, he's as good as anyone he's had, that's a pretty good sign, I would think, for Washington State going forward. They had three takeaways in the in this game. And I agree with you, like, it's New Mexico State, but sometimes you look good against a crappy team, and sometimes you like do okay against a crappy team. Like they looked good against a crappy team. I mean, six hundred eighteen yards to three hundred seventeen. Uh, so I mean, that was pretty man. You know, and and Borgie is he's he can do a lot back there. Um, I mean, he would he would have like these little 
openings and he could uh, you know make something big out of. It. He had 128 yards on just 10 carries. Um, so for him to go with Gordon's arm, I thought it, that that combination worked well. And it, you know, they just kept the New Mexico State defense off on their toes the entire night. So they could run the ball, they could throw the ball, and Borgie was like a super efficient. So you know, like I said, 12 almost 13 yards a carry is crazy. Yeah, that was uh, that was really impressive. Now, obviously, we'll wait to see how they do against real opponents. But for game one, man, yeah, they they looked great. We both got this one right. It was a thirty-one and a half point spread, and uh, they won by fifty-one. So, no no no, uh, no drama there. Um, this is the uh, the number three team in the power rankings. Oregon Ducks. Oh, Oregon. Oh, mm. sweet Oregon. Um, did, so they did this had, cover kill you? Because this cover, I mean, this killed, I mean, you you got it, like you got it, but. Yeah, it was kind of brutal. It was brutal. It was a little brutal. I, I get that it was a little brutal. Um, yeah, so this was, I mean, it's the classic tale of two halves. Um, Oregon dominated this game early. Like they looked far and away the better team to the point where it was like, oh, this is a joke. Like Auburn, they don't, they can't even stay on the field. And it was like 14 to 6 at half and it felt like Oregon had missed maybe some opportunities offensively, didn't quite score enough, but still it felt like the game was well in hand mostly cuz the Oregon defense was just kind of really shutting Auburn down. The secondary looked phenomenal all throughout the game, but especially in that first half for Oregon. Um and just Auburn didn't look like they could do much, especially Bo Nix just kind of looked rattled true freshman starting his first game. And then Oregon you know, I thought it didn't help. Let's let's. I mean, there's obviously some excuses to make. Um, Oregon was down a bunch of its receivers and also was already in the position where it had to think about, okay, who's going to replace Dylan Mitchell this year? They hadn't found anybody. And even some of the candidates they might have had were out this game. So that's not great. Second, um, their best two running backs dealing with cramps by halftime. So they go into the second half not feeling great. So that's obviously an issue as well. Um, but just didn't seem like they could figure out anything in the deep passing game. Auburn eventually adjusted to that, started to close off stuff closer to the line of scrimmage. And, um, you know, that Auburn defensive line is just too good after a little while. Um, you know, Justin Herbert wasn't finding anything downfield, um, had to do a lot of check down stuff. And, um, yeah, I think the offense just kind of shut down. Um, and then defensively, you know, eventually you're going to give some stuff up. Um, but I thought their secondary played really well. Uh, it was just, you know, Auburn's a really good team and a really talented team. And uh, I don't think Oregon could uh, could handle it with a lot of those missing bodies. I did think Cristobal went a little conservative late. Um, I think that's worth noting. And I thought they also kind of mishandled the clock towards the end. Yeah. Um, could have drained some more off the clock uh, towards the end of the game. But overall, I thought, you know, there was a lot of positives to take for Oregon. I think defensively, they look better than they looked um, the last couple of years. Uh, that secondary is very, very good for real now. Um, but, you know, obviously some major issues too. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is just crushing for the Pac-12. Uh, you're talking about a 21-6 to lead late in the third quarter. Uh, Oregon was in control the entire way. They led this game for 59 minutes and 51 seconds. Well, not quite that because they didn't score right away. But, you know, they were, they, they were not behind for 59 minutes and 51 seconds. The nine seconds left is when they fall behind. 
um, and below the cover. Like I, I couldn't imagine that they weren't going to cover this game. They were, they were getting points and they were up 21 to six in the th- late in the third quarter. Uh, how did the hell did this happen? Oregon, you just completely shit the bed. Um, early on a drop touchdown, uh, that left points off the board. Um, there was a huge punt return for what should have been a touchdown. Uh, but then he, you know, goes out of bounds, I think at the eight and then they try to run some kind of zone read thing and Herbert fumbles and it was returned 81 yards the other way. Uh, the defense still held and held the field goal at least, but there was just stuff like that, Dave, early on that were like, Oregon could have just been in complete control where there's no chance for Bo Nix to, to throw some miracle touchdown pass uh, with nine seconds left. Um, there was a weird, the weird play where Herbert got hurt. They end up calling two timeouts, trying to get him back in the game, but they don't know the rules, so he can't come back in the game. Um, they don't get the, you know, they don't get the the fourth down conversion. Uh, Auburn goes the other way. They convert on convert on fourth down and then throw a touchdown pass with nine seconds left. It's just all the late game kind of miscues that we saw uh, from, you know, Chris Ball at times last year, like the Stanford game and stuff. It was just 21 straight points for Auburn, a horrible, horrible backdoor cover. Uh, Auburn was 0 for 3 on third down in the fourth quarter. I mean, so, I mean uh, Oregon was. Couldn't convert a third, you know, in the fourth quarter, they just couldn't do anything. Auburn ended up being 3 of 6 where they their offense was pretty bad before that. But when it came down to crunch time, Auburn was executing and Oregon wasn't. So there just didn't seem like you talk about some of the injuries. There wasn't, didn't seem like to be a go-to guy. There was a lack of explosive plays. Um, and when they had to run with that offensive line, Oregon just didn't seem to run the football. And I think they kind of, they really relied on the left side of the offensive line. And, you know, that's where they went when it was the key plays. And Auburn was just like, I think they showed a screenshot where it was something where everyone was just looking there. They knew where it was coming. So, man, it's just, I think they were the better team and they got out coached, I think, Dave. Yeah, I think that's right. What did you think of the fourth down call? Uh, no, I wasn't a big, wasn't a huge fan, but I mean, it's, it, if everyone knows what's coming, like it just seems like, okay, uh, maybe you should try to do something else. I don't know, did you like it or what did you think? I like going for it. Um, uh, yeah, maybe the the call was a little bit predictable at that point. I think they want to be, I think they want an identity. Like I think Cristobal really wants to be that team that can just power you over and and just bowl you over for a for a one yard gain when you need it. And so I understand, like from a, establishing an identity standpoint, that that's how you want to do it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I like going for it. I don't I don't mind going for it on fourth and one um, anywhere on the field in basically any situation except for like clock expiring. But yeah, and then the end. I mean that was that was brutal. <laughs> that, was, that was so brutal. The 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 touchdown pass. What the what were you thinking? Were you excited? We were like, oh, I got this back. I mean, cover. I don't want to say that for the Oregon fans who might be listening because like they. I mean, they should know that our competition matters more than anything, but I don't want them to know that. But I wasn't, like, unexcited. Yeah. It wasn't because I was rooting against Oregon, though. It was because I picked Auburn to cover. Right. Uh, I was in the press box yeah. going, like, this can't be happening. Like, are you freaking serious? Like, they, they what? Like, and they, you yeah. felt like they could have kicked a field goal or something and won, because I think it was, uh, was it a one-point game at the time? It was 21-20. So, like, even if Oregon, I mean, if Auburn kicks a field goal, you're like, okay, they, you know, Auburn won, but you know, Oregon's still covering. But it ends up being like this 
crazy touchdown pass. And it's like, they didn't even cover the spread. Like, I was, I was baffled. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just that's, that's, that's exact. I mean, I think that sets the entire conference back. Am I overstating this? That sets the entire conference back. I think Washington has a shot, but Washington and Utah, we're going to talk about them. Neither one of them have hard out of conference games. This was the big game. Like this was what you needed. And the, the SEC took it on the chin in a lot of games, uh, but they won a couple big ones and this was one of them. Yeah. I mean, I think it did set them back. Um, but I don't I, – look, I, I think there are two other teams in the league, maybe three, um, that can still do a lot this year. Um, so I, I, it's just going to be – it's now more incumbent upon Washington and Utah to, to really take care of business the rest of the way. I don't think – I don't think losing this game is going to change the complexion of the strength of the Pac-12. I think a lot of the other games on Saturday might do that yeah. and last Thursday and, and so on. But um, this one I don't I, – I, I think anybody watching that game looks at it and says, damn, Oregon was right there, you know? Yeah, and but they friggin' lost. Like, that's, you know, I don't know how yeah, much that matters. Yeah, but I don't, think, I, I, I don't think it dings you as, as big of a negative as, as you'd think. All right. Well, I think it's huge. I think it's, like, freaking devastating. Well, you're, you're, a big, you're a big narrative guy. So yeah. I get it. Uh, you love the narrative. All right. Well, our number, uh, our number two team, and I do not agree with this pick. Washington Huskies. <laughs> I think I was fine with this. I think I might have done that. Um, but yeah, Washington comes in number two. Uh, but they didn't look like number two. No. If you know what I mean. They didn't look like doo-doo. <laughs> um, so Washington uh, took it to Eastern Washington, the debut of Jacob Eason. Uh, hey, Washington fans, you might actually have a quarterback who can throw now. I mean, maybe he can't look off his primary receiver. We'll see about that. But he can throw. Uh, really throw. Um, complete some deep balls with some real oomph. Um, I thought he looked pretty good in game one. Um, I, I you know, he was maybe locking onto his primary a little bit, but for the most part, he was great. Um, Washington running back situation is particularly interesting. Richard Newton actually got significant number of carries and looked way more effective than Salvan Ahmed, um, who still wasn't necessarily shown that great ability to make guys miss. Uh, but Newton looked pretty, pretty darn good. Um, and then, you know, defensively against Eastern Washington. So I should mention the score, uh, Washington won 47, 14. I don't mention the score because it's an FCS opponent and who cares. Right. Uh, but defensively, I thought Washington looked, you know, pretty good. Like they've replaced basically everybody and done a decent enough job of it right now. Um, so yeah, I thought, uh, Benning Poto IA, Potoai, I can't remember how to pronounce that. Recruiting was so long ago. He was good. He had a couple of sacks, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, but the defensive line, I thought good. That had pretty good push throughout. But yeah, I mean they uh, they beat up on Eastern Washington, and as we learned uh, just a few years ago, that isn't necessarily the most easy thing for a Pac-12 team to do. No. So that's good. Yeah. No line in this one. Uh, you got Trey Adams back, the left tackle. Chijo McClatcher, uh, the wide receiver, came back. He had a touchdown. Um, thought the new look. Washington defense looked really good early on. Uh, the offense was potent, and uh, Jacob Eason throwing like a 50-yard bomb. And you're sort of like, wait, Washington quarterbacks can do that? They can throw the ball? Uh, I mean, some really great catches. Aaron Fuller had a one-handed touchdown catch that was sweet. Um, they, they were scoring touchdowns in the red zone better. That was a problem that they had 
last year. Uh, it was 21 nothing, and I think I flipped it over to the Stanford game at that point. Um, but I tried to watch as much as I could in the beginning. Uh, they had one and a half, uh, 1.7 sacks per game last year. They ended up getting four in this one. Uh, it was the most yards for any quarterback making their Washington debut. And he had you know 75% uh, pass completion, so that was good for for Eason. Um, four different wide receivers had at least five catches, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Thirteen explosive plays over 15 yards. That's you know that's nice too. And they played ten true freshmen in the game. So if you want a good opener, that's kind of what the doctor or you got you got a school like that you're going to play. That this is the kind of performance you want to put together. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, I had them as my number one team, uh, but now the number one consensus team, according to 247, is Utah Utes. Yeah, this was such a Utah game. Like, So it was 30 to 12, and they really did beat the P out of BYU. So I don't want to discount that, but like they threw, Utah threw for 106 yards in this game. <laughs> they were just like, you know what? We're going to just run the ball the entire game, and you're not going to be able to stop it, and that's just what we're going to do, and that's going to be our identity in this game. And what's more, you're going to also try to run the ball at us and like do things offensively, and we're just not going to really let you a whole lot. And that's what they did, and it was really not pretty. Um, but it was very Utah, and I enjoyed watching it. Um, so, um, Zach Moss, big note, looks totally fine. Whatever that rumbling about a hand or whatever, I don't know. Did you see any rap on his hand or anything I, no, like I that? No, I didn't. No, I, yeah, I totally so forgot about whatever that. Whatever that was. Yeah, that didn't yeah, seem whatever like that was was nothing. Uh, he had 29 carries for 187 yards and a touchdown, so he looks great. Tyler Huntley wasn't asked to do a ton, and he looked fine. So 13 of 16 for 106 yards is nothing you're going to write home about, but he wasn't really asked to do much, and uh, he did. he did his not much perfectly well. Um, I thought, uh, the OL looked surprisingly good given they had to replace some dudes. Um, it was, you know, I thought, I mean, it opened up holes to the tune of over 200 yards rushing. So yeah, that'll do. Um, defense was generally pretty good. Um, I thought if there's one negative note for Utah, are you sitting down? I, I, I think I know what you're going to say. Special teams. Unbelievable. Ass. Assy, extremely assy. And I'll tell you why you want to know why? They shanked a you, PAT. No, no. Do you want to know why? Why? Because they got that UCLA stink <laughs> all over them with their transfer kicker. Oh. He's, a UC, he's a former UCLA walk-on. You can't have that UCLA stink on you, Utah. You can't do it. Mm. It's not often you'll see a team like just pull a kicker, and they did that in this game. They had made 182 PATs in a row, so it was the third longest streak in the country. And uh, Shank. Yeah, no. And uh, Britton Covey was back, so that was good to see. Yep. Yeah. He's got some explosiveness there. It was it was pretty – it was actually kind of close early. Um, BYU had momentum, I thought, in the first half. They didn't pick up a, a fourth down early on. Utah turned into a field goal. Um, BYU had a good fourth down stance. Uh, so Utah could have kicked a long field goal there. It kind of went back and forth. Um, but BYU – so I think it was 3-3. Three to three. And BYU was driving, but Utah had a pick six, and that kind of changed the complexion of the game, I thought. Um, it was 9-6 at half, so it was, like, pretty ugly. And it was weird, because if you saw before the game, Tyler Huntley was talking about how they were going to have this really explosive offense. 
that you were going to see it on SportsCenter. Now he he looks bigger. He he's added a ton of muscle. He looks like he's adds you know some armor to him, so he's not you know he should be harder to to get hurt. You know, it won't be as easy for him to get hurt this year. But he just really made it sound like this offense is going to be you know clicking, and it did not. It was not explosive. I mean, like 106 yards passing, you're not thinking this is some explosive uh, type of offense. So, um, but they came out the you know second half. Utah had a really good drive. They punched it in uh, to go up 10, and then you know at that point it just kind of cruised. It was 30 to six or whatever at one point after another pick six. So, uh, you know you have multiple pick sixes in the game. Uh, you only throw for 100 yards and you win by a bunch of points. Like I, you know it's pretty good. That's nine straight wins uh, against BYU for Utah. Um, and then it, there was the game was suspended for lightning late in the game and it was on ESPN and you're watching and then Scott Van Pelt comes on and he started making picks and talking about other things. And I didn't realize there was nine minutes left in the game. They moved it to ESPN two and didn't like say anything. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I was missing like part of the game. Like I, when I came back to watch, it was like five minutes left. I'm like, I just missed four minutes of the game because you, I'm watching Scott Van Pelt. So that was weird, but they averaged uh 5.33 yards per rush. Uh, so they just dom- and they dominated the second half as uh, per- time of possession. So the second half, I think they kind of blew it open, but a couple of pick sixes helped all that. Yeah. Sorry, that was a long. Uh... No, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was nice. Um, we got some. We got to talk about my bookie, Dave. Uh, we got to talk about them. They uh, they they've been really cool to us. Uh, I want you guys to check this out. The only thing more consistent in college football than Alabama, Clemson, and maybe the Pac-12 team going on the road playing a neutral site game against an SEC opponent is where I like to put my money down on the games. It's at my bookie. It is the place to bet on college football every weekend. Whether you want to make a national title bet, any of these non-conference games in September, uh, LSU Texas is coming up. There's some big games coming up. A couple of Pac-12 battles between Cal and Washington, USC and Stanford. My bookie has you covered. This year, my bookie is hosting the first ever online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least a hundred grand. It only costs a hundred bucks to enter. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week. You climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So, my bookie is always the right place to play. You bet, you win, and they pay. So great stuff. Make sure you go check it out. You can even bet on halftime lines, live odds, FBS versus FCS games. If you like that, if you're just like torture and you want to see 30 point lines, you can do all that on my bookie. So right now your first deposit bonus will be doubled up to $1,000. If you use the promo code PAC 12 to activate the offer promo code PAC 12 at my bookie. So visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O. K-I-E. Don't forget to use the promo code PAC12 when you create your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. And we got a link uh, in the on our PAC12 podcast page if you want to check it out on Bet My Bookie or My Bookie. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks to I'm gonna bet my bookie with all my sweet picks this week. Yeah, your picks killed me on I'm, the I'm, my bookie. I'm probably this week. gonna go like I'm probably gonna go like two and eight this week. Ah, you know. Don't, you know. There's ten. There's ten games. I don't know if we have lines on all of them. No, we don't. You know what? I forgot. I don't know if we do this before or after, but do we do this now? Pac-12 roundup. I don't know. Was that first? I don't remember what we did. Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, it was. It was. It was 
definitely a full hour ago, so it's easy for us to forget. That was a, an hour recapping all those games? There was 11 that was games. An hour. There was a, that was one hour of football talk. Well, uh, I think we should probably go faster through the, the... We always do. We always do go we faster through the previews, so we'll see you guys again in about an hour. All right. <laughs> okay, so first up on... Uh, this is a Friday night game. Uh, we have... Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Sac State, traveling to Arizona State. Uh, there's no line on this one. Bill Connolly has it projected as uh, ASU by 54 points. So, yeah, I'll take ASU. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've got nothing to say about this game. Hopefully, they do a better job uh, protecting Jaden Daniels in this one. Um, but, yeah, they should kill him. Yeah, this is a warm-up for uh, the road trip to Michigan State. Uh, they had a line for Kent State. They don't have a line for Sac State, so uh, no pick there. So you, you know, the, you can't go. Uh, you can't go two and eight because we're not going to pick ten games because there's no line in this one. Yeah, there we go. Nice. All right, so we'll see what. Uh, it's nice you get a freshman quarterback and let them uh, kind of figure things out against a couple of overmatched uh, opponents. So good for Jaden Daniels. All right, then we're going to move to. Uh, Saturday morning, we have Utah Utes. All right. This one is on at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Crazy. Utah home game, which is weird. So that's an 11 a.m. kick there, local? I guess I, this is, is right? one Eastern. Yeah. So 10, 10 a.m. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm having to do a lot of complex math in my head because I'm looking at Eastern time because I'm in the Eastern time. So it's just tough. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is also on the Pac-12 network. So at 10 a.m., you can tune something in on the Pac-12 network. Northern Illinois traveling to Utah for the rematch of last year's UGFest, if you remember that football game. Uh, Utah is now number 13 in the country. Utah is favored by 21 and one half points. Ooh. So um, NIU is I want to say halfway decent not great but halfway decent they beat Illinois State in their opener last week uh last year what did they finish up they finished up one two three four five six seven eight and six um so not a complete joke of a Mac program a real Mac program Utah though pretty good um 21 and a half feels like a lot after watching that offense against BYU. I'm going to take Northern Illinois, those points more specifically. Um, I, I Until we see this this Utah offense firing on all cylinders with Tyler Huntley actually throwing the ball some, um, I'm not going to pick them to outscore a team by three touchdowns. Yeah, not gonna a little bit more than three touchdowns. I, I, I share your concern, but I think that was on the road. And I think this is going to be at home. And I, I kind of believe Tyler Huntley that they want to have a more explosive offense when he talked about that. I'm, you know, this is a team that we both got this one right. We both picked Utah. Was, they were favored by five. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Utah on this one. Try to make up a point on you. Uh, there's some teams in the Pac-12 I have some faith in. Utah's one of them. So I will, keep, I will stick with my Utah pick. All right. Nice. Uh, we'll see how the Utes do. All right, this is a pretty big one, Dave. Next up we have Colorado Buffalo. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So this is 12:30 on Big Fox in Boulder. Uh number 25 Nebraska traveling to Colorado. 
Nebraska's a four-point road favorite in this one, and they didn't look great no. in game one. Um, they won 35-21 over South Alabama, um, and it was like pretty shaky. Uh, they didn't really put them away until deep into the fourth quarter, um, and a lot of people were expecting them to be gangbusters to start the year. And I would say Colorado was much more impressive than I was expecting. Um, this feels like it should be closer to a pick'em uh, for me. Uh, so I'll take Colorado. I think there's a, a pretty good chance they win the game outright. But even if they don't, I, I like them to to lose in a close one at worst. So yeah, I, I'm going to take Colorado here. I didn't like the way Nebraska looked in Week One, and I really liked the way Colorado looked. Yeah, like Colorado looked better than I thought. Nebraska didn't look as good as I thought, and Nebraska was a four win team last year. So just you got to remember that. So getting four points here, I think it's good. I think there's good value on the Colorado side. So I'm going to agree with you and uh, we're going to take the buffs and see if they can uh, pull out a win. Yeah. That'll be fun to watch the next one. No, it won't be. (laughs) We got something to talk about in this one. Next up we have UCLA Bruins. We got something to talk about. Certainly not offense. Certainly can't be offense that we're going to talk about. I thought San Diego State like shut out their opponent. They just put up shit. Oh, they dominated the crap out of them. They beat Weber State six <laughs> nothing. They they shut them out with a baseball score. That's not great. No. Uh, one fifteen p.m. on the Pac-12 Network in sunny Pasadena, California, at the beautiful Rose Bowl. You get to watch a game at the Rose Bowl. What's wrong with that? San Diego State traveling. The UCLA, uh, the Aztecs, as we mentioned, won last week, beating Weber State 6-0. Uh, UCLA, despite losing on Thursday, is favored by 7.5 points in this football game. Now, I understand it wasn't impressive that San Diego State only scored 6 points against uh FCS opponent, but do you know how hard it is to shut a team out when you're only scoring 6 <laughs> points and your offense is doo-doo? <laughs> that- like, that's a better defensive performance than what Cincinnati showed. And UCLA's offense looked like absolute crap against Cincinnati. So, I don't know. I'm not super confident in UCLA's ability to score. However, I'm not super confident in San Diego State's ability to score. The one thing I'll say is I feel that the line is misset. Um, I feel like it should be UCLA like minus three yeah. or something. That felt that um, would feel the, more reasonable. Yeah, seven and a half feels... And the over-under is obviously misset. It's at 45 and a half. It should be 20. Um <laughs> I'll take San Diego State and those points. Um, I think UCLA probably wins. Um, having watched mere seconds of the Weber State game, that San Diego State offense looks completely broken, whereas UCLA's only looks semi-broken. Um, so I'll take UCLA to win, but I think I like San Diego State to cover the 7.5. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. 7.5 uh, is a lot when you're talking about teams that could struggle. Do we know like if a Joshua Kelly's going to play? Is it going to be like... No, 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 no. And it's been... It's been full gamesmanship nonsense from Chip Kelly since like midway through fall camp. Oh. Um, so it's impossible to know whether he's going to play. Theo Howard's going to play. Darnay Holmes is going to play. You just don't know. Uh, am I? Hopefully I'm getting this wrong, but our next game looks like it's on about the same time and on the same network. But correct me if I'm wrong. But next up we have Washington State Cougars. I actually don't have a TV for this one. I the thing I show is showing that the San Diego State UCLA games at four fifteen Eastern on Pac twelve Network, and then North uh, 
Northern Colorado, Washington State's 5 p.m. Eastern on Pac-12 Network. Is that right? Let me go to let me go to the true source, which is LSUfootball.net. Oh yeah, that's a good uh, one. Hang on. <clears throat> I'm using just ESPNs, but ESPNs can sometimes be very faulty. Um, all right, we're looking for Washington State. Yeah, it should be on Pac-12 Washington. Oh wow! So it's not even wow. This is really couldn't spread regional, regional as hell. Yeah. Um, and it's understandable. I mean, if you're not a Washington State fan, you're probably not watching this one with all the packed-in games around it. Um, but at 2 p.m. Uh, in Pullman, northern Colorado, traveling to Washington State, uh, Washington State's going to murder him. That's it? That's all I got. That's all you got. Is there, What is the spread? Is this two FCS teams they're playing? Uh, when did this happen? This is like something new on the schedule, isn't it? New Mexico State. No, they're, they're not FCS, right? They're Oh, I'm getting it mixed up. I, yeah. I, th- I was getting Eastern Washington mixed up. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's no spread on this one because they're FCS. Um, so Washington State's going to murder them. Uh, let's see what our man Bill would have this spread at if they were. Uh, yeah, so they would have Washington State by 60 points. Bill Connolly would. By 60? <laughs> 60, 60 full points. Wow. And the projected score um, in his estimation is 64 to 4. Um, hard to get four. It's a hard point I mean, to I guess arrive at. To, you know, you get back-to-back safeties somehow? Is that, is that Maybe. That's a way. <sighs> Return a couple extra points? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. I don't think we need to talk about that. Um, no, please don't. Another I've spent far too much time already. Another uh, Pac-12 Network game. Uh, this one we have Oregon Ducks. This is a lot of Pac-12 Network, everybody. We don't need this. Um, Nevada traveling to Eugene at 4.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, Oregon favored by 24 points over the Wolfpack, which won a dramatic game against uh Purdue on on Saturday. Um hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So 24 points is indeed a lot of points. Um and Nevada just did one win in dramatic fashion. Oregon might be in a little bit of a letdown spot maybe after that ugly one, ugly loss to Auburn. Mm. Um, so it's 20. So the line is completely just 24, 24 points, three touchdowns and a field goal. I'm taking Nevada. I think Nevada is going to cover this. Do I think they're going to win? No, I don't. Um, but produce a pretty solid team. They beat them. Um, Oregon, definitely. We've seen some, some, some kinks in that team you know, no, no real deep threat. Um, some you know some injuries, some critical injuries throughout the receiving course. So yeah, I'll take I'll take Nevada to cover this twenty four. Hundred percent. I'm going with Nevada on this one. Oregon completely screwed me in the last game. I am not putting faith in the Ducks. Uh, Nevada did get a big win early on, so twenty four points. Just I, I don't. I will feel completely fine if Oregon wins by fifty. But I, I there's no way I'm not taking those twenty four points. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. All right. Here's our first. Uh, matchup of Pac-12 teams, we have the California Golden Bears on the road, taking on Washington Huskies. 
7.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, Cal at number 14, Washington. Uh, Washington's favored by just 14 points in this game. Um, I thought Cal looked pretty bad in week one. Um, they, they figured some things out after a while, and they were playing down to their opponent maybe a little. But Washington really looked like they were close to firing on all cylinders against Eastern Washington. Um, they look like they're more, you know, more ready to go here at the start of the season. Um, I probably wouldn't have loved this line even a week a week ago before we knew what Cal was going to look like in game one. Um, I really don't love it now. So give me Washington minus the 14. I think they win this one going away. Yeah, it's. I think there's a revenge factor sort of going on here. Um, I think Cal might try to offense a little bit more, which could be bad. Don't do that. Right. Yeah, you can't do that. Which you 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 are not an advocate for that. Um, it's at home. The over under. Well, I should say the over under is forty three and a half. So they're not expecting either team to try to offense too much. Yeah. Um. I can, so build that into your calculations. You know, Cal secondary is really good, but I just feel like Jacob Eason's going to be able to do some things uh, in this game, and and I think the Washington defense is re- legit. Unless Cal is going to get like some, you know, fumble return for a touchdown or something or a special team score. I, I just don't see it. So uh, I'm putting my faith in uh, in Washington in this one. But that's a lot of points. I, it, I'm a little nervous. I, I feel a lot better if it was like 10. Um, for sure. But it, I, 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 I'm almost guessing that this is going to be a push. Like I feel like Washington will win by 14. You know what I mean? That would be a very Washington thing to it do. It would to be. Us. I would feel like. That's. I think it's very likely that the, this. You want to know a crazy story? You want to re- ready for the craziest story? Yeah. This one opened at minus eleven and a half. Oh, well, I wish we would have done this earlier. We would have got. The, Me too. Yeah. We'd look a lot smarter. Yeah. Uh, but now it's fourteen. Okay. With the second one, we have another uh, Pac-12 conference game. Early, we have Stanford Cardinal driving down the five to take on USC Trojans. Yeah, so this one, okay, so first let me give you the, the dumb details. 7.30 p.m., so directly opposite the other, the only other game between two Pac-12 opponents is directly opposite of. That's great. Great scheduling and planning. Uh, on ESPN at 7.30, uh, number 23 Stanford going to USC. Uh, it opened as a pick It's now USC minus one. Um, so essentially a pick If it was on a neutral field, that probably means Stanford would be favored. Um I really, this one is a really tough one for me. I have no idea what to make of either team right now. Um, I got to probably stick with my guns on Stanford that I don't think they're going to be that good this year. And with their injury uncertainty, I, at, at quarterback, I maybe. Um, USC obviously has its own with JT Daniels being out, but I don't know. I think their offense might be able to go a little bit better. Tough to say. I, I really have no feel for this game whatsoever, so I'll take USC minus one. It's a bad pick. Ryan's going to pick opposite of, of it, course. and it's fine. Yes. Um, but um, I'm comfortable making a horrible pick right now. So USC minus one. Give it. You to have me. room for error where I do not. So uh, against you know my normal rule is don't pick USC cover any spread. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I'm, I'm taking it back. I'm Stanford. I already wrote it Stanford. down. I already wrote it down. Stanford plus one. I already Stanford wrote it one. down. No. Takesy-vaxies. Takesy-vaxies. I don't think that's even fair. Stanford plus really? one. Really? Did I just talk you into it? Is that what happened? 
No, no, no. I, I was like literally sitting here and I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't sit there. I can't sit there at the moment. Like, because look, I'm not going to get any joy out of UCLA this year. That's like, we know that. <laughs> you could right? only enjoy it. But like, <laughs> like watching USC flail about against Stanford, like in a really frustrating game. Yeah, yeah. Sign me up for that. So yeah, no, I got to go Stanford plus the one. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I will probably not pick USC to cover a spread for the rest of the year. So, um, and I should have in week one, but that was just my thing. Okay, so let's move on. We also have Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, 745 on the Pac-12 network, Northern Arizona going to Arizona. Arizona's, all right, let's see what uh, what my man Bill would have this Is one Is there no at. line? Hang on. Yeah, no line because it's uh, FCS. Okay. Um, all right, so Bill would have it at... Arizona only by 36.2 points. Whoa. Whoa. That's almost like a line. Um, yeah, Arizona will kill them. Yeah. Kill them dead. Death. They'll be dead. Yeah. Khalil Tate, go go nuts. Um, yeah. Well, so we, go ahead. So we have a few no lines, so this will be a tighter week. Um, yeah. All right. And then our last uh, game, we have... Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> You ready for what this is on? What is this on? Facebook TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is Yeah, that's it says FCBK on my thing. I didn't even I wouldn't even know what that is. It's Facebook. It's Facebook. It's gonna be on Facebook. Uh this one is at 8:59 p.m. (laughs) That's the kick uh, for this one. Oregon State traveling to Hawaii. Hawaii is favored by six and a half points. Um. All right, so we've seen both these teams now. Hawaii obviously has an offense for real. It doesn't have much of a defense. Oregon State is the same deal. I think both teams are going to be able to move the ball a ton. Uh, give me Oregon State. Give me Oregon State plus six and a half. All right. Uh, Oregon State's another team that just... I can't pick with them right now. I'm just I'm breaking up with them. Hawaii already got a Pac-12 win. Uh, all I got to do is win by a touchdown. Give me the Rainbow Warriors. I will take Hawaii. All right. And I love going Hawaii. Hawaii is fun. Hawaii's great. Yeah. It's a great place. I'm so I, I want to just a PSA out there, letting everyone know: don't ever move to the East Coast. If you like watching Pac-12 football, do not ever move to the East Coast. Do you know how many nights I stayed up past one in the morning in the last like eight days or from Saturday to the next Saturday? How many? Four times. Jeez. Four times. It's brutal. Awful. And then I'm looking at this Oregon State-Hawaii game, which I actually kind of want to watch because I'm a sick, absolute sick puppy. And like I'd have to stay up till midnight just to watch the kickoff. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, think about that. Yeah. On Facebook. I've got to stay up till midnight to watch this game on Facebook. You can watch it on your phone in bed. Yeah, but I'm still like awake watching yeah. it. And then it's it's going to be a pass-happy game that ends like yeah. at 3.45 in the morning. Come Money. on. Yeah. All right. Well, let me, let's, let's, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come right back and uh, answer your questions. Here we go. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. Dave, we got to jump into uh, some of these questions. I think we have a, a text message to start. You want me to read this one? Please. So it's from uh, Dave, who's an Arizona fan. Uh, Is it just my overly critical eye, or does 2019 Tate look visibly slower than 2017 Tate? It seriously looks like he lost his afterburner mode from 2017. I really didn't think so. I thought he actually looked pretty close to 2017 Tate this time. I thought last year he definitely looked slower. Um but no, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good running the ball. He's always kind of had that look about him where he doesn't look like he's running that fast, but he's blowing by dudes. Yeah. He's got just kind of a casual air about him. Um, but no, I thought he looked great, honestly, running the ball against Hawaii. Yeah. No, I didn't have any complications there. Oh, hey, one thing I forgot to mention, Dave, and I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think he looked he looked way better than last year, but Brett McMurphy had a funny tweet uh, at one point in the weekend. The Pac-12 had lost five straight games to AC, AAC teams and five games to Mountain West teams. And he said they're also winless against DirecTV. So it was a little shot at the Pac-12. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of funny. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mark says, love Dave's sound effects. I think you should have him do that weekly. Do you want to do that I, weekly? I, no, no, no. I think it's better as like a, you know, it's a thing we do basically when I have to record and you don't have your soundboard. And I think it's fun when we get to do yeah. that. But it's like once, it's like once a year. Um, I'm going to read the next one too. Okay. Oh God. It's a voicemail, Ryan. And he sent it as a attachment. A voice. Wait, what? This is Jay from Alhambra. Do you want me to, uh, I can download this and, uh, oh wait, but then we have to, but then we have to listen to it. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll just download it. You want to read the next one? I'll download it and I'll, I'll load it up and we'll play it. Or sure. you don't, don't want to do that or no? No, no, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, it works out well. Okay. Um, because it involves me doing nothing. Um, all right. This is from the Arizona Podcast. First time listener, long time emailing your podcast. In season brevity. Uh, one, shouts to Dave for the communist quality podcast. Uh, two, always wondered why you all love voicemail, voice messages and email so much versus Twitter questions or really anything modern. Um Well, it's easier for, really, it's about ease for us. Um, Throughout the week, people could tweet us all kinds of nonsense and BS. Um, But our email, we can cull that really easily and organize it by date really easily and see who's sent us stuff really easily. So it's just, it's more organized, easier to read through very quickly. Um, Voice messages, just because it's nice to have somebody else's voice playing at different points besides ours. Yeah. Um, Twitter's just more difficult to manage. It's not very organized. Um, three, where do you put the blame for Zona's current state of the program? Personally, I blame Hiki. Is that how you pronounce his name? Hiki? Uh, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know. An AD that alters his head coaching search based on a sophomore quarterback's tweet should be fired one game into his second season. <laughs> In solidarity, comrades, the Arizona podcast. Yeah, I thought that was... If it if it's true, and I, I know it was reported that way, that you know that certainly played a role in his decision making. If that's true, I mean it's ridiculous. You can't you can't you can't base anything off of any player's opinion. 
any current player's opinion, especially if it's a you know if it's a former player with some actual money to you know fund something in the athletic department, it's a different calculation. But no, you can't base something on a sophomore quarterback who you know has has toyed with the idea of transferring a couple of times since then. So no, I thought that was crazy. Yeah, uh, thanks. I love it. Era E R A Zona podcast. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's nice. Said that. I guess he's just plugging his podcast too, but. Someone tweeted us like there was another Pac-12 podcast that kind of got started. And that's cool. Like, you know, we, we, I think we want more people talking about the Pac-12. So they're like, oh, you guys are not alone. There's other people doing uh, Pac-12 podcasts. So cool for them. All right. Here's a voicemail. I don't have no idea what's going to be on it. So hopefully it's clean and I'll play it for you. Hello, podcast of champions. My name is Jay from Alhambra. First time, long time. I'm a UCSB alum and became part of the USC family by marriage a decade ago. My passion for the football program has grown ever since. Anyhow, I'm sending this voicemail in before the game against San Jose State, I mean uh, Fresno State. This is how confident I am in my bold prognosticated inquiry. In my estimation, it's clear that the current coaching situation is nothing more than a dog poop Sunday. Sure. You have awesome players that are like the best toppings in the world at a dessert bar with a staff who can serve it up. However, underneath is a big pile of steaming turd at the base. Superficially, Sir Cuddles a lot Helton is sweet, but underneath is a coaching prowess that's analogous to a festering mountain of dung. But enough with the fecal references. <laughs> who do you think will take over as interim coach at USC when, not if, Clay Helton gets fired? Thanks for all you do. You are true podcast warriors, and this show is one of the loves of my life. Fight on. <laughs> wow, great voicemail. Ryan, so it's got to be your favorite person in the world who takes over as head coach, right? John, ba John, John Baxter. Baxter. Oh, my God. So, yeah. like, so Baxter and I don't necessarily see eye to eye. I don't think he's like, I'm his favorite person, but we actually spoke at a couple like events like together, and he actually talked to me afterwards. and. Uh, I narrated a, a panel with him and it was like uh, Matt Barkley was on it and Jake Olson, the former uh, long snapper that, you know, the blind long snapper. So I kind of, yeah. and you know, we talked afterwards and the USC fans actually liked what he had to say. I thought he did a really good job, but you know, then they come out and it's like, it's hard for me. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to be nicer on USC special teams. And they come out and they have two number sevens on the opening kickoff. Uh, so a 61 yard kick is that bad? 61 yard kickoff return gets called back because two people were wearing the same number. You waited nine months to get a five and seven bad taste out of your mouth, and the first thing you do on special teams is that. And so it's just baffling to me. It's like hard for me to not say anything because it's just like whatever. But I don't think I. It depends on what. I mean, maybe Graham Harrell. They, they don't. They don't really have a lot of good candidates for for an interim head coach. So that's that's one reason to not fire Clay Helton midseason. Because who are you going to replace him with? It's not like, oh, this this guy's going to be amazing. You just have no idea. Well, and more to the point, um, you really can't fire a guy when he's down to starting. No, I mean he way. loses a quarterback. Like, why would you? You know, yeah, you can't they, fire him. He's can't. Teflon. Yeah, there's no nothing you can. You got to give. You got to give him at least. I mean, because it's an ACL, right? So you got to give him at least this year and the next one while JT Daniels recovers and gets back to full strength. So really, two more years. So what? So what? UCLA fan tweeted. Well, how many years does Slovis? Slovis has four years of eligibility, so you should give Helton four years, like his whole Slovis <laughs> career. I thought that was pretty. Well, he's got to develop him. Right? Pretty good troll. That was pretty good. <laughs> I don't think USC fans are enjoying no, it. No, they were not. The, the trolling. Uh, no. I mean, they won't care as long if they get what they want. You know, if they get 
to you know replace him. But you know who knows? Maybe they make some crazy run. They beat like Washington on the road, and they're not going to get what they want. Yeah. Uh, was there? I think we. It's DTR's frozen. Road oh, next. could Yankov help him relax? <laughs> that was a very simple email from Ryan. Well, I think it's I think it's a double on. Yeah, I think I'm reading too much into it. <laughs> he does he does throw a hard ball. <laughs> oh man, he throws it super yeah. hard. I'm not uh, sure where so it goes, but he throws it very hard. He does. Even the touchdown passes, it was like <laughs> just almost threw it through the guys. <laughs> So bad. All right. Uh, this is uh, Frank in Sacramento. Okay. UCLA game was awful. Uh, UCLA defensive backs turn up field at the snap, leaving Cincinnati receivers wide open. UCLA gives up the passing game in the second half. UCLA QB needs bigger hands, letting go of the ball on two key drives. No dispute, Frank. Yeah. Um, they were. They were. You're dead right. They were poo. They were poo. They were poo poo. They were poo poo Sunday. <laughs> It was pretty impressive that our man uh, recorded that uh, prior to the game. I know that's pretty. Cool. <laughs> that's pretty good. Like if they would have beat like State, like fifty to nothing, he might not have felt as good. But I think he he, he went to sleep uh, very comfortably, knowing I left a voicemail before that game even happened, and it was great. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Nice. Um, all right, next up, this is from Justin. Uh, the subject is just simply Utah. Guys, the infatuation with Utah is very curious. I thought this before the BYU game. Their quarterback play is terrible. Huntley is horrible. Do people think he's good just because he has experience? If a bad player has experience, that doesn't make the player good all of a sudden. My feeling is that he is not going to get a sniff from the NFL. Do you think Utah is good because the rest of the Pac-12 South is bad? How does the media justify a Utah over the good teams in the North? That's from Justin. Uh, real quick for me, I, yeah, I don't think Huntley's like a you know going to be a surefire NFL prospect, but I think he's a good college quarterback. Like I said, he's put on some some muscle. I, I you know we didn't see the explosiveness in against BYU, but I'm expecting it this week. We'll see how that turns out. But the Pac-12 South is is not very good. I wouldn't put and I haven't put Utah ahead of Washington. I I, w- I have no problem ahead of the other teams, but. I would say Washington to me is still the best. Now, most of the people are voting, they're putting Utah first. So that's that's their opinion. But I think Dave and I both would have well, I don't know if Dave does. I I have Washington first right now. Yeah, I had I had Utah first, but it's you know, it's it's the first week, it doesn't matter. Um Yeah, I mean I I think Huntley's fine, um, potentially good. I, I he hasn't had a full great season of health. Um, so that could be playing into it a little bit. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think he's been good when he's been given the opportunity. I thought last year during October when that offense was really rolling, I thought he was good. I certainly don't think he's horrible. I think that's overstating it quite a bit. Um, not getting to the NFL and being horrible or, or yeah. don't necessarily need to link up. <laughs> um, and, uh, as for Utah, I mean, if it was the SEC, would they be, you know, projected to win a division and make the title game? No, but that doesn't mean they're a bad team. I think they're, you know, altogether pretty good. I don't think they're a fully complete team. Um, I think they've got a really, really good defensive line. I think they've got a really, really good running back, and I think they've got a good enough offensive line. Actually, watching that first game, 
Um, but that's probably enough to win the Pac-12 South this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're a good, solid team. I think they're a solid top 15, top 20 team, and that's plenty good enough to be to win the Pac-12 South. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think Utah, to me, is still the favorite in the South. I just like Washington a little bit better. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably take Washington right now anyway. Yeah. So maybe I did have them number one in my power rankings. If that's the case, nice. Uh, well, look, I, you wrote them down, right? You, no, you had no, Utah. I, I mean, I, I definitely had Utah, had Utah but yeah. you know, whatever. If I would pick Washington on a neutral field right now, then maybe in my heart, I have Washington. Nice. Um, hey, do you want do you want to do your suicide poll pick real quick before we? Yeah, I'll take Arizona. Okay, so we're we're basically doing the same so far. It's like yeah. if we started off like it might be we might di- not diverge for a while. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but there's a yeah. lot of the, the good thing is we're picking against a lot of people, so. Once it gets pared down to like a hundred or something, we can start looking at, but there's over 300 people in it still. So make sure you go on that. Make sure you go on packedwellpodcast.com and put in your picks. Cause if you're, you're one of those 300 something people and you won week one and you don't enter week two, you can't come back for week three. You have to do this every week. So uh, yep. nice. You want to do the college game day one or is that me? Yeah. Or did it? I don't know. No, I think I just did the last one. You do this one. Sure. College game day or big noon kickoff? This is from Frank in Sacramento again. Uh, College game day collapses under its own weight with three hours of mostly overproduced BS feature stories. Lee Corso (laughs) needs to be embalmed of meat already. Holy wow. Pissed in your cornflakes, Frank in Sacramento. (laughs) (laughs) Big noon kickoff is an hour and a half. An hour and a half of fresh faces and great information. Big noon kickoff wins until Urban Meyer moves on to USC. I don't know what big noon kickoff is. So the Fox has their own um, pregame show because they do now they have their noon uh, game. They're, you know, they do a feature game. So instead of watching, uh, you know, Iowa versus uh, Purdue or something, you can see like a better, they're, they're trying to put a better game out there at that noon Eastern time spot that's the whole 9 a.m thing where they if you the pac-12 wants to be on the main fox game you have to play at 9 a.m but they have an hour and a half show before that to kind of compete with college game day um i did i to be fair i mean i didn't watch it i was doing some other things um i college game day still is a great show to me but i i see there's some you know there's some overproduced stuff that's going on in there and you know you love lee corso but it's tough because you want to see him be able to be you know, lucid and fluid like he was before. It's just, you know, at post stroke, he's, it's just not able to do it. But I, I don't have a problem with him being on there, but uh, I'd like to check it out. You know, they got Urban Meyer and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and uh, Brady Quinn. And uh, there's, I forget the host's name, but uh, oh, Rob Stone. So that's their, their main studio show. And they, yeah, I've seen some of the stuff outside of Saturday mornings and it looked pretty good, but I haven't watched the Saturday morning one yet. Okay. Yeah, I don't I, I don't watch any of that stuff anymore. I generally don't even watch the 9 a.m. games unless it's, again, a Pac-12 team. Um, just not enough not enough minutes in the day. Yeah. Um, all right. For This is from Bernie. For Ryan, how many emergency podcasts will you do this season? Uh, I think someone put the over-under at one and a half, and I took the over. Oh, definitely the over. Yeah. You're going to be at you're going to be at three before the end of September. So I, there's definitely potential for one or two in September, uh, coaching change, emergency podcast. You could have a athletic director, you know, being fired because, you know, FBI investigations and all that stuff. I, there's, there's a lot of potential for emergency podcasts and people love them. People love the emergency podcast. So 
uh, when you're doing one in an airport, uh, it's pretty good. So I like doing those. Yeah. Yeah. And for Dave, uh, it has been said many times here that Jim Mora could recruit, but couldn't coach them up. We now know that Chip Kelly can't recruit and his coaching is highly suspect. How is that an upgrade over the previous regime? Thanks from Bernie. Bernie, you are asking questions of my id, and I have to like sit here and be like, "Well, all right, what would truly rational Dave say in this moment?" Because you're you're speaking the language of my soul here, Bernie. Um, well, we know Chip Kelly doesn't like to recruit, so that we know. Um, the highly suspect coaching is TBD. Um, there's certainly a lens through which to look at Chip Kelly's last. I don't know like five seasons as a head coach and say, oh boy, something went wrong there. Um, But you also can't wholly discount Oregon. You still can't discount what he did at the end of last season offensively. But there's no getting around. He's 3-10 and at UCLA after going 2-14 and in his last head coaching stop before that. Um, So that's bad. That's not great. Um, and as for an upgrade over Mora, it's it's sort of the same thing as when people talked about the early Alford years and were like, how is this an upgrade over Ben Howland? And it's like, well, no, it's not an upgrade over 2013 Jim Mora, just as Alford wasn't an upgrade over 2008 Ben Howland. But could was, was Mora's time at UCLA sustainable by the end? No, he couldn't stay. He, he, was, he was tanking and recruiting. He wasn't like emotionally invested in the program anymore. And the team was sucking. I mean, he made some really bad decisions um, at offensive coordinator and it was just not salvageable at that point. So you couldn't keep him. And then you had the opportunity to hire the hottest name on the market. And when does UCLA ever have that chance? Um, So they did it and there's nothing to fault them for there really. And it's just turning out that, and we'll see it's, it's, not done yet, 13 games in, but it's not turning out great so far. Um, so we'll see where it ends up, but uh, you couldn't you couldn't have really done it. There wasn't a really a different way to do it um, that was logical. That If an AD that offseason had said, no, we're passing on Chip Kelly, uh, that AD would have had some questions to answer from a lot of different yeah. people. Um, it just wasn't, that realistically wasn't going to happen. Um, so... For once, UCLA, I thought, did everything right. Maybe they could have fired Mora earlier and had a different chance at it, but that would have just been chance. Um, firing Mora when they did, they hired the guy that they should have hired, and it's turning out all pear-shaped. So what can you do? Yeah. That's UCLA for you. For me, like I've always been an advocate for hiring Chip Kelly. I'm starting to second-guess that now. I know <laughs> – no, I mean, it's not completely there yet, but it's like, like oh, man, this is like real – like. He's not going to be anywhere near Oregon blur Chip Kelly. He's like full on 49ers Chip Kelly, and that's scaring me a little bit. So can turn it around, uh, get some of those guys back. They look better. They turn things around quicker this season than they did last season. And you win a bunch of games and it's like, okay, it's going in the right direction. But my, you know, my radar's on, you know, full, full alert right now for, Something, you know, are UCLA fans going to jettison this guy at some point? It's like crazy. I, I'll i say this. If they lose to San Diego State this week, I don't think there's going to be many people left on the bandwagon. Wow. 
the 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 mood of the fan. So my my temperature gauge of the UCLA fan base going into the season was like. 80-20, 80% still very confident, more or less, in the Chip Kelly era. Maybe a little skeptical about some things. Maybe recruiting, you know, well, that's not great. But 80% probably still gung-ho. Um, after that Cincinnati game, I'd say it dropped down to 50-50. Um, just the fan base generally. That that was a really important game um, for, I think, the perception of the era. And now, if they lose to San Diego State, a team that just beat an FCS team six nothing, um, <laughs> I, I I seriously think there's going to be like it's going to be down to like the holdouts, and that's crazy uh, to be 14 games into a tenure and it have and it be basically lost the fan base. Yeah. Um, he hasn't done much in the way of outreach. There hasn't been any of that soft stuff that can kind of extend a tenure. Like I'm sure Helton's really good at the soft stuff, right? like glad handing fans and all that kind of crap. Yeah, he does all that stuff well. Yeah, Chip Kelly doesn't do any of that. There's nothing he does that endears him to the fans. So if it's not results on the field, it's just basically blind hope. And um, if if we get through San Diego State and, and they lose, um, that's it's going to be bad. Yeah, I guess he hasn't won the people over that way because of, you know, just his demeanor, I guess. But if it's like a Scott Frost, let's say – Frost comes out. It doesn't matter if you win. It doesn't matter at all if you win. What do you mean? If you, the 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 demeanor stuff. Like right. If you're winning, it doesn't matter. Right. But like so, Scott Frost. Say they go on the road and they lose to Colorado. They didn't look good in their first game. They're four and eight last year, preseason rank, and then they have like a five and seven season. He's still a Nebraska guy. Like they're they're gonna love him. They're gonna give him every benefit of the doubt. With with Chip Kelly, it's not like he's a UCLA guy. He's not like warming up to every booster and, and getting all these people in his corner. It's more about you, you. You are like this. You've hired like the best assassin out there and he keeps missing his target. And you're like, I don't, I don't really want you to be my assassin anymore. You know, and they don't really have any ties to the guy. So yeah, it could get ugly there. We'll see, but he can turn it around easy. We just don't know. Yep. Uh, you want, is this next one you, I think? Yeah. Stanford's best player. This is from Jonathan in Lafayette. Hi, David. Still think Colby Parkinson, not Paulson Adebo, is Stanford's best player. Did I say that? I, I don't remember that. you saying that, but I would go with Adebo. I might have. I might have. I, I am very stupid. Um, yeah, it's it's Adebo. Uh, also, very amused by Dave getting the game basically right. Stanford by three. Shaw puts, in on the D, puts it on the D at the end without caring about margin of victory, but then losing the pick anyway on the freak backdoor cover. Nicely done. Yeah. Thanks. Nice, Jonathan. Jonathan. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, Adebo's pretty... Awesome. I was actually asking some of the, wide, the USC wide receivers about him yesterday, and some people were saying cool things, and other people were like, who's that? And, you know, sometimes players don't know other players' names. They just know, like, their numbers and stuff from watching film, but he's a guy I think you should probably know who he is, you know? Sure. Uh, after week one question from Keith in Oakland, uh, Ryan and Dave, after uh, inspiring performances in week one, if UCLA and USC were to instead play this week, who are you picking to win? Hmm. Well, not not anybody watching it. <laughs> so I think we'd all be losers if we were paying attention to this. Uh, I'd take USC. Yeah, probably. They'd probably be like a field goal favorite or something, I would guess. Maybe yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah, probably more than yeah. that. But yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that. They, USC at least all won. Right. They beat like a, a pretty you know a decent team from last year. But Yeah. Yeah. And their defense, I mean, looked okay. 
and that's probably plenty good enough to stop the CCOA offense right now. Um, all right, this is from Anthony. Podcast question. Love the label, Anthony. Really descriptive. Uh, hi, Ryan and Dave. <laughs> Uh, rank the following second-year coaches based upon what they have done up from their first season and start of their second season, uh, based upon what they have done. I don't know why I screwed that up for you. Um, rank from worst to less worse. Chip Kelly, UCLA, Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee, Willie Taggart, Florida State. Holy crap, this is, Anthony. This is very difficult. All right. Um, Tennessee's got to be Kelly worse. Has, Chip Kelly has not lost to Georgia State, yes. so Jeremy Pruitt's at the bottom. He is the worst. Uh, then Chip Kelly, then Willie Taggart. Yeah, I think Willie Taggart won more games last year, but he had a better team. But I would, I would say probably Pruitt the worst, Chip Kelly a little better than that, and Willie Taggart a little better than that. Yeah, that, that works. But brutal question. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's that's bad. Uh, Charlie Brown of the P. Ooh, this is uh, I guess from Zach. Hey, Ryan and Dave, I have to start by saying great job keeping the pod going through the offseason, throughout the offseason, unlike other entitled listeners who pay approximately $0 for roughly two hours of entertainment every week. I have no suggestions for how this pod can get better. It's great the way it is. Well, thanks, Zach. I appreciate it. With that said, let You, like, stumbled over that because you're not used to, like, an honest compliment. Yeah, like, That's he's great. really complimenting us. Uh, with that said, let's bring back some true or false. All right. Uh, Dan Weber still thinks... Uh, Dollar sign UC is going 10 and 2 and going to win the conference. Seriously, when he makes lofty predictions about lousy football teams and uses the term we and preferencing that prediction, who is he referring to? <laughs> um, well, he, I think he's backed off of that now. I talked to him uh, yesterday on the podcast. Uh, but true or false? No, he's, no, he does not think they're going 10 and 2. So false. False. Yeah. You said, t- who is he referring to when he says we? Is he referring to you? Uh, probably us on our team. Yeah, he doesn't do like we for USC or anything like that. Um, no, no, no. But we, you know, the royal we when you're just referring to yourself. Like, oh, well, he know. writes that. Do you ever do that when you're writing? Like, it's it's sort of a. I try to avoid it now, um, but I still find myself doing it because it's like the very like you don't want to say sports I. writer. Yeah, you don't want to say I. I. But I no, but I like why don't I want to say I? It's because of some stupid rule I learned in grade right. school that you're not supposed to write the word I in like an opinion statement, and it's like no, I'm just gonna say I because it's what I believe. It's not what we yeah. believe. No, he definitely does that. I want yeah. I I mean that's. Not that I went to journalism school because I was an engineer, but that's what I was kind of. No, but it's it's something you learn. Like I think when you're writing like a persuasive argument in like high school, yeah. that you're not supposed to use the word "I," and it's like okay, maybe that was true then, but now with how accessible writing is, it's just yeah, use the yeah. word "I" because it's much clearer that way. So two UCLA fans should start panicking about Dave's snarky prophecy uh, tweet um, coming true. Obviously, referring to how UCLA. Would it be for us? Oh, how UCLA, how UCLA would it be for us to get the crappy NFL Chip Kelly and not the kick-ass Oregon version? True. True, yeah. There was no <laughs> commas in that. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is who DTR is. The aberration was the Washington and Cal uh, games last season. True, 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 true. True. Clay Helton should yeah. be given a pass on this season. I mean, obviously. True, obviously. Uh, Ryan, if I told you Helton was getting fired after the Notre Dame game and told you to bet on the next coach being Urban Meyer or the field, you're taking the field. True. That was just for you. Oh, yeah. not for you. Okay, Oregon is slash was maybe whispers. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to whisper. 
Highly overrated. False. Um, overrated, yes. Yeah. Highly overrated, no. Agree. Um, actually, and after that game, I came away, I don't know, feeling a little bit more positive about Oregon this year. Um, I thought they were a real paper tiger, and they showed me something in that first half. I think it's if they'd had all their weapons and their guys hadn't started cramping up at halftime, I mean, they were a hair away from doing it. So, no, I don't think they're yeah. highly overrated. I think overrated, but not highly. Uh, yeah. Seven, this is the angriest both bro and the P have been at the same time. Ooh. Mm. So, obviously, each has peaked at a higher level of anger. Yes, but... To- but... At a given moment, is this the angriest their combined anger energy has reached? Uh, it might be because it's up there. USC's is definitely up there because the Helton stuff, and then, but I don't know if UCLA. I I feel it's going to get. If we wait a couple weeks, it could get angrier. Well, UCLA was. I I feel like it reached a fever pitch even last year in September, um, with the initial like two or three losses where it got pretty bad. I was partially instigating that. Um, but the peristyle wouldn't have been bad then. No. Mm-hmm. I mean... It, Not at that point. The The more... If both these teams start losing more, I mean, you're going to have the Oklahoma game coming up. USC's got... Yeah, no. It, I, it, this, this coming couple of weeks, it could get yeah, really ugly. I would be uh, buying put options if this was a stock thing right now. So, Which means <laughs> I think it's going to go down fast. So... Yeah. It could be the angriest, but it's going to get angrier, is what I'd say. This is true, and check back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, Scott Wolf may be the most irresponsible person to, quote, kind of cover any sports team ever, and I say that as a Bruin. Uh, There's actually a lot of options on the USC beat. Yes. Uh, Wolf's <laughs> just been doing it a really long time. Um, I think I'm going to abstain. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I don't think you can say anything. I would just say there's a lot of options on the USC beat. <laughs> Thanks for that one, Zach. But not including my man Ryan Karchi. Shout out to Ryan Karchi. Yeah, yeah, he's on he's the cool. uh, on the he's USC cool beat now. Yeah. yeah, he used to cover UCLA. All right, uh, this is Liquid Ute. Why Cristobal's Oregon can't hit its ceiling from Liquid Ute. Hi, guys. Having watched a few games this past Labor Day weekend, I noticed a glaring difference in game management. Utah displayed Whittingham's Python grip to end the game against BYU. Utah's final drive took a suffocating 9 minutes and 19 seconds off the clock until time expired with the Utes kneeling at the goal line. Utah was snapping the ball at 2 seconds on the play clock during that drive. In the fourth quarter of the Oregon-Auburn game, however, Oregon was snapping the ball with 11 seconds left on the play clock on average. I totaled up the time uh, Oregon surrendered to Auburn in the fourth quarter on plays of the running game clock had they snapped it at two seconds instead. Had they done this, they would have given the ball back to Auburn with 24 seconds left instead of two minutes and 14 seconds. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) While Auburn still may have been able to gain the roughly 30 yards they needed to get within field goal range, there's no question it would have been much more difficult with only 24 seconds. And they would have covered the spread. Oregon. Yeah. Uh, this reminds me of the Ducks lost to Stanford last year. They were leading in the fourth, but not grinding clock. They could have kneeled three times near the end of regulation and time expires. Ducks win. Instead, they run the ball, fumble, and give away the victory to the Cardinal. If your goals are lofty, no number of top 10 recruiting classes can cover for coaching blunders like this. I don't know if it's pride or misjudging the importance of these micro details, but it's costing the Ducks wins. While I'm envious of their recruiting classes, I'm not worried about Oregon returning to dominance under the current staff. Liquid Ute. Hashtag Team Python. Great points. 
Um, yeah. Really good breakdown for everybody out there, uh, breaking down the time on the clock. Um, yeah, can't dispute it. No. Hey, Utah knows what they're doing and that kind of stuff. And that's like, you're just driving. You're up, what were they, up 18 points at the time, and there's nothing you can do. And the only way the game ends is just because time ran out and they're kneeling at like the two-yard line or something. Like, it's just you couldn't be more demoralizing than something like that, you know? And Oregon yeah. turns it around and you get the most exciting win for Auburn since like the kick six, you know? So crazy. Uh, last one, Jorge Reina man, or I'm sorry, Jorge Rain man. Uh, this is from Trevor from Seattle. Hello. Love the show more than Clay Helton likes calling inopportune timeouts. He does like that. Question. How many Pac-12 schools could slash should Fresno State quarterback Jorge Reina slash Rain Man start for? Curious to hear your thoughts, Trevor from Seattle. Ooh. Uh, UCLA. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to say. All right. So who he wouldn't start for? Washington State, Washington. Oregon, Oregon, Oregon State. I don't think he'd start. Oregon State. Stanford? No. Uh, Cal, he might. Cal, he might he start. Could, he could start for Cal. Um, Colorado, no. Utah, no. Arizona, no. Arizona State, no. So UCLA and Cal. All right. Nice, Trevor. That seems right. Yeah, that seems okay. Whew. That was a. We that did was it. Quite the show. Over two hours and seven minutes. Over two hours. Um, we had a couple commercial breaks. We've had some questions. We've had some, you know. Tripping over our own words, can't can't speak. I, we've had a lot. It's been a lot. It's been big. It's been a lot. I feel like we've laughed, we've cried, we've felt the full gamut of emotions. It's been yeah, a great show, a great day, a great day in the life yeah. of uh, of two, you know, um, mediocrities. <laughs> it's been wonderful. Don't forget, everybody, put in your picks. Uh, Matthew put this together, so check out the site. Pac12podcast.com. If you put your picks for week one, make sure you put them in for week two. Otherwise, it's just like you picked wrong and you're out. So hope you guys all do that. The games are Friday, so you have to do it before Friday night's uh Friday night's game. I'm sure you're all gonna want to watch Arizona State demolish Sacramento State on the Pac 12 network. So make sure you get your picks in uh before that. Dave, anything else before we go? God no. God, no, we've did a lot of talking. Uh, that is David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham, and we are the podcast of champions. We are rolling now. I think we got our system down, picking games. Dave's crushing it so far. We'll see if he bounces or I can bounce back this week and stop picking all the Pac-12 teams, which was a huge mistake in week one. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next week.